I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of June 2021, and we are at the finale of our drinking movie month. Mm -hmm. Uh, This special event was, of course, brought to you by Kyle, who, between the two of us, is the only dranker. Uh, So, the basic concept for drinking movie month, Kyle, do you want to illuminate the folks at home what that might have been? Yeah, it's pretty much just films that I like to watch uh, either while I'm drinking, if I need a drinking partner, or movies that I want to watch after I'm good and drunk. And this one is the, this is a big time, I'm already pretty hammered, and I'm just not quite ready to go to sleep yet movie. Ah, yes, yes. And uh, we will be talking about this as we go along, but I'm curious what the uh, the drink of choice uh, to get to to a total blackout status would be for this film. So for our, our grand finale for Drinking Movie Month, uh, we are doing a dramatic uh, left-field transition, um, being as every other movie we covered this week uh, was originated in the UK. Yeah. Um, and this is the only film that does not. Uh, this film would be Punisher Warzone, directed yeah. by Alexi Alexander from the year 2008. Now, Kyle, two questions right up right up front. Yeah. Why Punisher Warzone, and what is the drink of choice to pair with a viewing of Punisher Warzone? It's a great question, Trevor. I'm glad you asked that question. I'll start with the what, uh, what beverage you drink with this film, and that is whatever beer that you have in your fridge that you don't like that you've been putting off drinking for a while, and you probably have like two cans of it or two bottles of it, drink those uh, because you'll probably fall asleep at some point during this movie. Um, I picked this one. Uh, I don't remember when I watched this, but for some reason, I, I own it on my Prime, just like of the movies that I've purchased. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because <laughs> if I watch a, a movie like this more than twice, I'm like, I'm just going to keep watching this. So I just purchased it on the third watch. Um, it's just crazy violent and silly over the top. And it's a lot of fun. And I, I just enjoy watching it when I'm super drunk. Yeah, I, I can't relate to you on the uh, enjoying it while super drunk front. Uh, however, as as flawed, as intensely flawed as this film is in a lot of ways, especially in terms of dialogue, um, yes, I do actually have a very soft spot for this film, and in fact, seemingly all Punisher uh, film and uh, television media. Uh, I, I I don't have like an affinity for the the thesis of the character, like his his perspective on the world and whatnot. Um, in fact, that's very controversial these days, especially with the uh, the symbology, the the uh, his skull symbol, yeah. having seemingly been co-opted by a lot of dirt uh, bags. Yeah, I see dirt bags. Yeah, a lot of dirt dirt bags <laughs> and radi- radical groups. Um, that that's very unfortunate yes. because, um, like, uh, I I don't know how often I talk about this on on catching up on cinema, but I I used to be a really big comic book fan. I used to read a lot of comics, and in the in the early 2000s, in the mid 2000s, uh, the Punisher was actually like pretty much my favorite comic. Hmm. Um, specifically, the Garth Ennis uh, Max version of the character, of which a lot of the uh, the characters and I don't know set pieces from this movie are are drawn from. Uh, so when this movie came out, and I could see like references uh, to those those comics that I, I had on my shelf that I had very much enjoyed reading not too long before the release of this film, uh, I got really hyped. Um, and yeah, it is it is 
kind of cheesy. It it does feel like a little bit of an off kilter production in some ways. Um, it's not it's not highly regarded on like from a critical standpoint. No. <laughs> Um, but pretty much every time I watch this movie, and in fact the the Thomas Jane, the Punisher film that came out in two thousand four, uh, the one thing that I walk away from both of them being able to say is that they're they're surprisingly watchable. Mm-hmm. Like like they can just be on in the background, and it's like yo, you know, I I know it's like it. I was telling you this before we started recording that this movie, in its middle section, is saved by the fact that it, like, it was seemingly edited by the slasher movie timeline, where it's like okay the movie's the movie's title is punisher war zone mm-hmm. um if a head is not exploded every 10 minutes or so there's a problem our yeah. core audience is going to have a problem uh and thankfully the movie does kind of proceed at that rhythm even when it starts to get a little bit bogged down um this movie was fx uh in the in the late like 2010 2011 this was fx and i think this movie probably help like push fx to fxx to where it's like way crazier now like uh, american horror story uh it, it you can find a lot more badass movies on fx and i think because of this movie not this movie sorry not this movie sorry the first punisher i apologize first punisher movie yes but the, this one follows suit uh the first one very much so uh i think made back most of its money on on fx and uh, TBS and TNT screenings, mm-hmm. as well as DVD sales. Uh, it needs to be said, uh, this movie only exists because the first Punisher movie, well, not the first, the, there was a yeah, Dolph Lundgren one in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually own two different versions of that, Kyle. <laughs> I imported I imported a uh, Australian Blu-ray of it because uh, it has a, a super-duper special edition where they like cut in a bunch of censored shots. Oh. Like the the violence level, like it's it, it's very much an R rated movie, uh, but apparently it was even further into R territory uh, until the you know the studio had to snip snip a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, so the Australian cut of it actually does include all all the fun bits. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, the the Thomas Jane Punisher movie um, did not do exceedingly well in the theater, as far as I know. This movie did even worse. Uh, but as far as I understand, both of them were saved by DVD sales and syndication and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, I actually had the pleasure of seeing this movie in the theater. I think at like one in the morning or something uh, with my college roommate at the time. <laughs> I, I think I might have actually watched this movie in the theater. Uh, however, I was 2008. I was probably smoking a lot of pot, so I don't remember watching it. But it is very possible I saw this in the theater. Yeah, um, actually roll it back to fx this is a bit of a tangent but you know that's the name of the game with with our show is it your Uh, first time yeah (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the podcast um i'm actually curious what what the transition point was for uh see i haven't watched cable in quite a long time me either uh but in my day (laughs) fx was the home of movies like starship troopers Mm -hmm. and the punisher like Things that were R-rated largely due to violence, um, and really they would screen it with yeah. all the violence intact, just minus the nudity and the and the swear words because America. Uh, you, <laughs> get, yeah, you will get ass cheeks on FX, so you will. Yeah, you, you will. You will get ass cheeks there. But but my question, Kyle, and maybe ah. I wouldn't expect you to know any better because I would imagine you stopped watching the cable probably around the time I did, uh, yeah. maybe even earlier. Um, was that I've noticed that like FX has kind of become like the LGBTQ plus like network, like uh, on terms of cable these days. Like it seems like a lot of their programming skews in that direction. It's like, wow, 
that was unexpected. <laughs> like, like I was so used to watching The Punisher and Max Payne and, and shit like that on FX, F- and now it's like, wow, we've totally turned a corner. FX started doing. I, I don't. I can't speak to that. I'm not entirely sure, but they were really starting to do all not alternative comedy like Adult Swim, but like um, dark, dark indie humor. If that makes any sense. Like, there's the Gaff, uh, Zach Galifianakis show. Um, there's that Will. Uh, which one of the McGruber, whichever one that Will Forte um, yeah. had his show like, like the Last Man on Earth, uh, Wilfred, which I actually watched the first season of, which is not bad. Uh, the Australian version is a little funnier because it's a little uh, a little more raunchy. Uh, but yeah, they they started doing that. But then it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is that is FX? Um, but yeah, I don't. I can't speak to LBGTQ plus. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where that came. It's up. only something I've I've noticed at a distance. Like I said, I haven't been actually watching the channel. It's just you know you catch advertisements every once in a while. I'm just like, wow, I wouldn't have expected all of this to be on that network. Not the not the network that I remember from ten years ago. Well, a lot of streaming platforms I've noticed have a lot more to offer as far as that's uh, that like LBGTQ. Uh, yeah, like absolutely. Hulu, absolutely. like Hulu and Netflix. I'm like, wow. There's like like high school dramas, and it's the fo- that's the focus. I'm like, wow. They did not they did not have that when we were kids. Uh, we just had like One Tree Hill. I think that was the only thing, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever was the, that the one? was was Treat Williams on that show. I don't know. It's I can't so remember. I was I'm a I got the hots for Sophia Bush. Like that's like yeah. So I didn't watch the show, but I knew she was on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, anyway, we should probably get to uh, Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Uh, so the responsibility falls to me, I suppose, being as Kyle uh, has been hosting this month. I will give us a plot rundown of Punisher Warzone, directed by Lexi Alexander, uh, who has previously been featured on this show uh, in the form of another Kyle pick from a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, Green Street Hooligans, uh, which was which actually was a critically acclaimed film uh, with Charlie Hunnam and Elijah Wood. Uh, this is not that we did that uh, but it's so still enjoyable <laughs> we did that so long ago that when i was looking on imdb imdb seeing that she was the director of this I'm like oh she did a green street hooligans we should do an episode on that I'm like nope we did an episode on that <laughs> it's been so long ago that's how you can tell it's been a minute <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember what you've done um, uh, but yeah plot summary is as follows uh, essentially uh frank castiglione frank castle aka the punisher is in new york He's in New York, if, New York, if you're going by Jigsaw standards. Oh, it's going to be thick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to be dipping into that. Oh, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, like folks at home, you don't realize how fun it is unless you've tried. Um, he is waging war against the mafia in New York, uh, and he basically goes all out. He does an all-out assault on one of the larger crime families in the city, uh, results in basically nuking the site from orbit in the form of wiping the family off the map, except for one extra element in the form of Jigsaw, uh, who is emboldened after having been assaulted by Frank Castle uh, and is seeking revenge. Uh, so basically, it's Frank Castle versus Jigsaw uh, with a family caught in the middle that Frank kind of feels protective of, uh, which gives us some, I don't know, emotional weight that doesn't really need to be there, other than the fact that. Uh, you know, non-comic book fans may actually end up watching this film, so they may need other reasons to care uh, about the characters other than the fact that, you know, 
they're icons from the comics. I really wish yeah. that I really wish that Frank had the drinking problem that he had in the 2004 Punisher because that, that made that made that Frank Castle more fun. Him just fucking like when he gets all fucked up and he's just chugging liquor. She's like, enough of that. Um, do you okay? So was this now? Is Billy the Butte, aka Jigsaw, now is he supposed to be part of the Italian Mafia, the La Cosa Nostra? Or is it that Dominic West can't do any other American accent except for this? <laughs> I think he's actually supposed to be part 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 of La Cosa Nostra. Okay. Um, but I think I think you're right on both points. <laughs> it's like Do- Dominic West can only do this type of accent, so he's just gonna lean as hard into it as as they'll allow him to. Co- uh, Colin Salmon is the other person. I was like, he's not from the United States. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colin Salmon is British, I believe. Yeah. Um, you you see him speak in his natural accent in a couple of those uh, Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Oh, uh, and it's kind of interesting seeing him in those films. I think he was in. Um, I can't recall if he was in Tomorrow Never Dies. He's definitely in The World Is Not Enough, uh, in a supporting role. He's like uh, M's aide, so like the Dame ah. Judy Dench is like right hand man. Um, he he's a lot more light hearted. Like he's mm. kind of he's kind of goofy in those movies, oh. whereas in this he and in especially in uh, Paul W S Anderson's Resident Evil, uh, he is a hundred percent gruff. Oh. So much so that his death in that film was like one of the biggest robberies in in cinema history. <laughs> does he get Does he get the lasers? Is that him? He like, does. Him and the entire team, but he's so likable. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's really convincing as the gruff and tough leader of that group. That it's like. I, I get it from like a logistical standpoint. It's probably useful to take all of these pieces off the table in one scene. Uh, but he was the one guy I really didn't want to see go right then and there. Yeah. I mean, it was shocking in like a deep blue sea kind of way. But I wanted more of him, and and we do get more of that version of him in this movie, thankfully. Deep blue sea has two of the most shocking deaths in cinema history. I think I don't think any other movie had. Well, I, The Departed's got a couple in there. But say <laughs> Deep Blue Sea is pretty high up there. I mean, yeah, no, women that look like Saffron Burroughs don't when die. we're in the final act. Yeah, when we're in the final reel, generally they're hands off. You know, the audience is trained to just be like, oh no, they're totally gonna make it. We need our breeding pair, except not because apparently L O Cool J is unkillable. This is a yeah. rule in Hollywood. You cannot kill that man. And Tom Jane is just so damn likable. Yeah. The, the shark can't get him. He's too handsome. Yeah, you can't kill him. He, he can only... Yeah, he would bite his abs and just be like, oh, ow, my teeth. Who can't, he can only die by Alfred Molina. That's the only way he can die. Uh, yeah, no, you can't... The only the only person that can kill smoke shows, I think, is Michael Myers. Because he's the only one that does not give a fuck. Like, you're hot, you're dead. Yeah, J- Jason, like, he kind of hesitates. He's like... Oh, no, she's kind of hot. <laughs> and I have seen a lot of boobies. This is the fourth movie. Like, there's been a well, lot yeah, of boobs. He, he probably gets fatigued because it's like we're in the final reel. It's like, man, I've been killing a lot of hot chicks tonight. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's like I need something. I need a taste of something different, you know. <laughs> Gotta mix it up. The I mean, getting bored. She came to Cramp Crystal Lake. What am I supposed to do? It's like, does anybody have some sliced ginger? I need a palate cleanser. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so our cast, we have Ray Stevenson, uh, Carly Minogue, playing uh, Frank Castle. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dominic West playing Billy the Butte. Angela, played by Julie Benz, uh, in, a, in another film that we've covered. Uh, Green, not, uh, 
the fucking two Irish brothers, Boondock Saints too. Uh, yeah. Looney Bin Jim played by uh, should be felon Doug Hutchinson. <laughs> Hutchinson. <laughs> Colin Salmon playing Booty uh, Bootyansky. Gosh, that is a that is a name. Uh, Wayne Knight playing Micro. Uh, he gets to laugh and it's it's not satisfying. He doesn't. We don't get a full on Wayne Knight laugh. Yeah, we don't get a full on squee. Unfortunately. I want him talking to Dodson at the beginning of Jurassic Park laugh, but we don't. Uh, get it. Someone needed to have just like a Barbasol can to, to yeah. pop. That w- that would get us that squee that we all know and love. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dash Mihawk, who's quietly my one of my favorite characters in the film. Uh, Mr. Frying Pan, fuck you, Mr. Mustard, playing soap, and T.J. Storm. I think deserves to be mentioned as McGinty, my second favorite character. I think. Yes, uh, we have a lot of uh, returning cast members from previous episodes of Catching Up on Cinema. Julie Benz, as you had said, uh, Boondock Saints 2. Um, I actually have a theory that she had some sort of really deep contract with Lionsgate. Yeah. Uh, because Rambo 4, Boondock Saints 2, this. like, And what's funny is like in almost all of those movies, except for like Rambo 4, she's oh, like... Man. She's playing against type because whenever I think of Julie Benz, I just think like she's so sweet. Yeah, she just seems like a really nice lady. But in this, she's kind of like tough from the streets of New York. Yeah, she's like a. And then in like Boondock Saints too, she's like taking it for a fucking walk to the point that's like, I'm sorry, I just don't quite buy it. She's like she a. Just seem like such a nice lady. She's like <laughs> a less like a less annoying and less aggressive Holly Hunter. Like she just kind of has that same kind of stature, but Holly Hunter is way more annoying. Sorry, <laughs> she's very she's a very very talented actress, but yeah, you 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 have to know what you're paying into when you recruit her for your film. I think uh, she's very important. I think she won an Oscar for the piano, in which she doesn't say a word. So just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, T.J. Storm. Uh, I wanted to point out that uh, a big reason why Kyle singled him out is that uh, he is a frequent stunt player, but he is also uh, the king of the monsters himself. Uh, I can't confirm if he was featured in the making of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, I actually haven't taken a look at the behind-the-scenes materials, but um, doing the motion capture for Godzilla in King of the Monsters, uh, that was him. Uh, and like I said, he has a huge stunt background, which needs to be said, I can't recall if we mentioned just yet, but Lexi Alexander herself uh, is a former stunt person, uh, which explains why quite a, quite a bit of the stunt work in this film is, is actually quite good. Um, and she probably has working relationships with a lot of the people she recruited for this production. But yeah, T.J. Storm, just as a straight-up actor, mm-hmm. is very charming in this film. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's actually yeah. like, the, well, I mean, besides Dominic West, uh, he's very memorable. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No, M- McGinty is a, is a very memorable character, and what's more, he kind of sticks the landing when it comes to the accent and the, I don't know, the energy to the character. He was asked to do quite a bit as an actor, and he pulled it off. We, I tease Dominic West, but I like Dominic West. I just want to get that out there. Yeah, I don't have the relationship with him that you do, uh, because I didn't see The Wire, mm. um, but I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, and I know my brother quite likes him as well, also because of the wire. But um, yeah, he, he's one of those guys that I'm I'm always happy to see him. He just doesn't pop up in a lot of stuff I watch. Yeah. Um. All right, should we jump in? We should probably jump in, unless you had any. Now, I, I, the music. Now, I read on IMDb. I don't know how true this is, but apparently, Alexei Alexander hired the specific composer to do this movie and then Lionsgate fired them and did their own thing. So 
this wasn't her choosing at least, from what I understand the composer of the film I was not aware of that but thanks for pointing that out because the the music for this film does fit the aesthetic um, I wouldn't say it feels out of place it fits uh, the time period to, very much so uh, Kyle have you ever taken a look at the track list for the uh, I don't think it's an official like soundtrack because very few of these songs are actually featured in the film but it's like a there's, There's a soundtrack that was paired with the release of the film that obviously Rob Zombie is he plays over the credits. Oh, um, no, it's, it's like a track called Warzone, but there's 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 some like kind of shit in like associated with this film. Yeah, we're trying so hard to get out of the aughts. Like Saturday Night Live is almost going to be good again. Like it's just about there. We're almost out of the aughts. Obama's almost in the White House. Music is going to get better. But right now we're in 2008 and music is still pretty bad. So we definitely have a Slayer track, uh, Slipknot, that I picked up on. Some fucking, like, aughts fucking butt... It's aughts butt rock song that plays in the car. I don't know who it is, but it sounds pretty terrible. But yeah, the music choices in this were really bad. Okay, well, Kyle, before we get into the movie proper, being as we're talking about the soundtrack, we may as well get into this. So I have a, I have a track list for you, so I'm just going to throw out some names, and you can tell me if you know these people or not. Okay. Um, and based on the names that Kyle had previously thrown out there, you folks at home surely know the flavor that he's kind of hinting at here. Yeah. So Rob Zombie, obviously, was kind of the big name. Slipknot, you were correct. Slayer, you were correct. Uh, we did have at least one track from both of them. Rise Against. Ooh, uh, I like Rise Do you Against. know them? I do know Rise Against, and they're actually pretty good. And they're okay. big activists, like uh, animal activists. Okay. Always always show up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Seether. Oh, I think that might have been who I heard. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, We have Curly, spelled K-E-R-L-I. Probably fucking one one album, and it sucks. Uh, They don't have a Wikipedia, but Seven Days Away. Nah, they probably suck. Uh, They do have a Wikipedia, Senses Fail. Ooh, Senses Fail. I'm actually a Senses Fail fan. Um, Their first few albums were pretty great. I've seen them live a couple of times. Uh, I got a soft spot for them. Okay. Uh, Machines of Loving Grace. Don't. I can't even know. Mm-mm. Uh, it's kind of nondescript, but Justice. No, no. Pretty. That sounds pretty. Pendulum. Pendulum, no. Sounds like a tool hate song. Hate Breed. Hate Breed. I do know Hate Breed. Uh, not my cup of tea, but they were very, uh, they were considered very uh, heavy. They came, they came out around the new metal scene, but they were not new metal. They were a bit more rough. Uh, I'm not a fan, but... They're probably one of the better, besides Slayer, one of the better bands on that lineup. Okay. Uh, and I know them by name. I don't know their sound, but Static X. Ugh. They've got uh, one good, <laughs> look, one great song. One great song called Push It. It's fucking awesome. Uh, have you heard it? I have not, Ooh. but I'll look it up. I'm going to send it to you. Oh. Don't you worry. And you'll like the, <laughs> okay. I think you'll like the music video for it as well. Stop motion. Pretty cool. Oh, well, I am I'm down for that. Yeah. So yeah, please kick it my way. And uh the last one here, uh I know this was the this was the track that was used uh to promote the film. They released a music video um just before the release of this film that I remember watching on like YouTube maybe, uh maybe maybe even off YouTube, but uh Ramallah. Do you know these folks? That name sounds familiar, but I can't say that I've heard anything by them. 
Okay, well, the song, the track name was Days of Revenge, and uh, like I said, they did like a music video basically highlighting all the kill scenes in the movie. So they knew what audience they were trying to get for the Punisher yeah. Wars. So what they what they do now is like in that first Spider-Man movie, they had Nickelback and that that bitch from Saliva uh, do a song, but now they get like talented musicians. They'll get like Post Malone to do a movie a song for like Spider-Man. Like they're way smarter about it now. The the Spider-Man the cartoon one. Oh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. And uh, I know the, the Black Panther soundtrack was killer. Like, like it was good in the film, but really? in terms of sales, I, I think it did phenomenal. I like, some of the tracks associated with that movie were pretty incredible. That was a fun movie. Michael B. Jordan. Didn't think he could be a bad guy. He can. No, I quite enjoyed it. It's a, it's a very solid superhero film. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this. Yeah. Uh, so this is Punisher Warzone 2008, directed by Alexi Alexander, and uh, it's very important to note, I'm sorry to have such a front-heavy review here, but uh, <laughs> this this is not exactly a substantive film, so hopefully we won't be bogged down in the details no. moving forward. But Death highlights, um, mostly. <laughs> mostly, yeah. That's that's mostly what this film is every, every yeah. five, ten minutes or so. Um, I just wanted to throw out there that this is a Marvel Knights production. Yeah. Uh, which is important to note because this movie came out in December of 2008, so roughly like six months after the release of Iron Man. Uh, so the MCU as we know it was but a twinkle in Kevin Feige's eye. Uh, we, we, the movie-going public, were not exactly fully aware of, of what was being conducted you know, behind closed doors uh, at, at Marvel at the time. Be- uh, this was pre-Disney, mind you. Uh, so what we had here was uh, a steady stream of superhero movies being cranked out um, by both Fox and, and Marvel. Well, not Marvel proper, but a lot of associated studios as well as Marvel, uh, like Paramount and whatnot. Um, and then we had these kind of like uh, like lost toys movies where it's like, we want to put out another comic book movie this year, but we don't really want to put our name on it properly uh, so we're going to slap this Marvel Knights imprint on it to give us like a safety buffer. So mm-hmm. if they do does fail, well. yeah, if it does well, we can claim credit for it. But if it totally shits the bed, uh, we can say, oh, that that wasn't a proper Marvel movie. So uh, only three of these movies exist, to my knowledge. There was this one, I think, which was the first. Uh, there was the Jennifer Garner Electra, uh, and then there was Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, and the critical reputation of all three of those films uh, kind of explains what, what the general vibe was uh, in terms of the, the makeup of a Marvel Knights production, um, but mostly I just wanted to point out the timeline, uh, just the fact that this movie did come out when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was starting, uh, but before everybody was starting to get like super hyped about it. Uh, but yeah, our, our movie opens with a uh, very colorful uh, and like almost like comic book panel styled uh, yeah. montage um, playing over our opening credits, a proper opening credits, which we don't get in movies as often as I'd like these days. No. <laughs> um, and basically all you need to know is that there was a uh, trial being conducted uh, wherein a high profile uh, mafia crime boss uh, was supposed to stand trial. However, a very key witness was assassinated just prior to taking the stand, so everything got thrown out. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because the uh, I know you haven't seen it, but the uh, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie opens almost identically to this. Really? Uh, not as on grant, not on as grand of a scale. Although Dolph did blow up the mansion 
So mm. may, maybe different in that sense, but j- just that inciting incident of, of a witness assassination or somebody being, a, being wrongfully exonerated uh, triggers the, the Punisher lashing out at some high-profile crime boss. Uh, this is like... Uh, like this is a really bad post 9-11 movie with some of the stuff in here but uh, one thing I would do want to say at the top here is Lexi Alexander I believe watched Batman 1989 like right before uh, she started started, uh, directing this film because this opening scene with uh, Billy the Butte he's not Jigsaw yet Billy the Butte with his girlfriend and how he ends up becoming Jigsaw I'm like this is Batman 1989 and we even have the scene with the doctor yeah, no, we, we have many beats that are, are taken directly from that. In fact, a lot of this movie seems like it's paying homage to, to other familiar products. Like, there's a little bit of, like, a Leon the Professional vibe in this opening sequence during the quieter moments. Um, and Boondock Saints, most certainly. There's a there's a beat of choreography taken oh, directly yeah. from that first movie, oh, which yeah. we'll get to in a second. You're absolutely right. Um, but, yeah, the thing with his girlfriend where he's checking out him, he's checking out his reflection and doing his hair, and it's like, it's very similar to the, I, I didn't, didn't ask. ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this line, line from Jack Nicholson. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she was definitely doing all of this intentionally. I wouldn't discredit the woman for, for any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean about some of the ugly post 9 11 vibes, though. Um, and this, this does unfortunately play into the. Uh, I don't know, the public perception, the general public perception of the Punisher character. Um, because, as we mentioned up top, the, the symbology of the character has, has been hijacked by a lot of scummy types. And some of the dialogue in this movie kind of, like, playfully touches on some of that stuff. But nowadays, it's like, oh, that it's hard to, like, laugh at that these days. There is, Jigsaw does have a good line at the near the end of the film uh, when he talks about recruiting people that I'm like, you know what, that's actually... That's a good line. I, I'll allow that because that's exactly what yeah. they do. But we'll we'll get free to it. free college and nobody has to go to Iraq. Yep, we're gonna target uh, we're gonna target rough neighborhoods. Tell them that they're never gonna go to Iraq and offer them college money that they'll never use. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what, recru- what recruiters do. So that was that was more of an Obama tone. It's like, whoop, uh, we're gonna yep some, uh, downtrodden <laughs> folks and. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't have a George W. Bush impression, so I can't do it that way. Yeah, neither do I, so deal with it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, basically we have a, a situation where we are introduced to uh, a couple of cops, one of whom is Martin Soap, who is played by your buddy Dash Mihawk. Mr. Who... Frying Pan. <laughs> uh, he's a very interesting actor because uh, he's he is very, uh, I don't know, he's very capable. Like, he can do a lot of different things because he plays like a dopey, like, kind of like even his body language is mm-hmm. kind of hunched over making himself look small but i've seen him be straight up menacing and hurt, like massive looking I'm gonna, like he's a big dude i'm gonna blow your mind uh he is the dickhead from sleepers the bully that beats up brad renfro yes yes i remember that and yeah he he was big tough and he's scary terrifying and that. that was what like that was a ter- i mean there's a lot of terrifying things that happened in that movie but for me that was a pretty <laughs> tough one yeah yeah, hot dog carts, man. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> um, and if memory serves, he may have been in uh, Boz Luhrmann's uh, Romeo and Juliet uh, doing Shakespearean dialogue, but with his Dash Mihawk kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, that that could be me misremembering. I seem to remember him being in there, though. No, that was Michael Rappaport. <laughs> I, they kind of are interchangeable, <laughs> yeah. at least in terms of their look. Yeah. Like, they uh, really kind of are. I, 
if Dash, if you're listening, that was a joke. You are not Michael Rappaport. Okay, you are not Michael Rappaport. <laughs> I mean, these days Michael Rappaport is a he is a comic book character. Yeah, like, he he is no longer a person. Like I have a saying that I don't know how often I've said it on the show, but everything is wrestling. Mm-hmm. Michael Rappaport took that to heart, and he's basically just living his life as a pro wrestler 24 7 <laughs> <laughs> he is a cartoon character no uh, he is a cartoon character so yeah we uh we have this dinner that uh that jigsaw is going to we got our steak out uh we get introduced to a couple of characters we get uh the dad who keeps working for jigsaw for some fucking reason after this whole ordeal uh and his cokehead son who looks like a uh a like a scene kid basically he looks like he'd be really into like the hardcore scene or he'd be like a front man for somebody he's just some fucking string bean um and then what i tried to say i'm like when we meet this mob boss this guy sitting in the chair who i thought was actually the guy from one of the guys from casino but i don't think it's him um we get i'm like this guy is like the most cartoonish mob boss i've ever seen steph's like the whole mob she's like the whole mob is a cartoon character i'm like yeah you're right we're about to have a fucking shoot down before we have this meeting, by the way. But we go ahead and just have the dinner anyway. Usually, if you have guns drawn on both sides, you don't just like, eh, let's sit down for dinner. I don't know, man. Like, I've never lived on the East Coast, nor have I actually been over there for any stretch of time. But one thing I remember my mom telling me uh, about going out, like, back East to live with my dad for a little bit. Like, she, the first thing that struck her was the tone of the conversations. Because mm. she came from Hawaii. Like, everybody kind of speaks in a sing-song kind of vibe. Like, oh, da-da-da-da-da. But she said, like, everybody sounded like they're about to tear each other's fucking heads off. It's like, no, that's just how they talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, at- and that's generally the rhythm, too, is, like, people blow up on each other, and then they just go, eh, and then they move into the other room, and it's fine. So they just, it- It's almost like a, it's like a stop valve. Huh. It's, it's like you need to get heated. You need to blow up just for a second. Otherwise, you're not actually talking. Like that's why people get critical of us Pacific Northwesterners. We don't do that. It's like it's like it's like a game. It's like you don't know the rules. What the fuck's wrong with you? You're just, you're supposed to blow up on me. <laughs> I was just saying. You're supposed to get heated. <laughs> being a Midwesterner, once you reach a certain volume, fists are thrown. So that's strange. They're all like it's like Joey Diaz. It's like a fucking city of just Joey Diaz because he'll get so fucking worked up and start yelling, but then he'll just go back down, and he'll he'll be fine. Well, one of my favorite lines from a big fat Greek wedding is the mom and the daughter have a little spat. Like they, they do blow up on each other and she's like, eat something, Tula. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, I'm done with you. It's uh, great. So yeah, they, they, uh, but yeah, I was yeah, they, they sit here and have this argument about God knows what, and uh, they're about to throw guns on each other. We get to see that Billy the Butte's looking at his reflection in the mirror and they're like, I'm going to fucking shoot you. No, no, no. All right, let's go have dinner. Um, so then we have the dinner scene, and I just go, dinner scene, dot, 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 death. Uh, because that's what happens <laughs> next. Yeah, so the only important bits of exposition that come from the meeting with the old man are that, uh, there's a biological package. He's <laughs> coming into the port. <laughs> oh, man. Are you talking to I Senator? Should throw, I should have thrown you away like your brother. A little a loony bin a gym. <laughs> <laughs> he does not like his brother being called loony bin Jim. And by the yes, way, his name is James. Did, it is James. Did you just watch episode <laughs> one again? Because that sounds like those ambassadors. Oh shit! I'm sorry. That's offensive on a lot of levels to fictional characters. <laughs> it is. But, yeah. but um, I mean this this guy is like swinging for the fences with his like I don't know like old old crime boss kind of vibe. But um, yeah, we do learn about. Uh, 
Billy the Butte having a brother who is institutionalized. Uh, there's a biological package <laughs> coming into the port, uh, which is never fully explained, but yeah. basically it's some sort of, I don't know, terrorist weapon that is coming into the, the ports in New York. And uh, Billy is kind of in charge of facilitating the receipt of, of this bioweapon. It's a bioweapon in New York. Uh, post like this is post nine post nine eleven so Billy can basically ask for whatever he wants for immunity, uh, but yes, yes. Uh, this movie's I think the first kill is it the mob boss who gets the first kill in this movie? He does. This whole sequence is is pretty spectacular. It's, it's awesome. A, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He gets his head lopped off, but it's kind of in that like Pez dispenser kind of way. Where he doesn't, I don't think he gets through the whole neck. It's just like three quarters of the neck, mm-hmm. so the the head falls backwards. But then it like bumps against his like his back. Yeah, which is <laughs> and by the way, way the, more brutal. <laughs> way more brutal. It's like you don't tell me you couldn't have leaned forward like two inches and gotten it all done. Yeah. <laughs> you did that on purpose just to make yourself chuckle, Punisher. Yeah. Um. But yeah, basically the lights go out. And we did see that the Punisher is, like, infiltrating the place. So during this conversation, we've been cutting back and forth to uh, the Punisher uh, infiltrating this mansion. Uh, and then all the lights go out. And then <laughs> I got to chuckle at uh, the old man. Uh, I think it's uh, Chisari is what his name is. Um, it needs to be said, a lot of the character names, if not all of the significant ones, are actually taken from the comics. Mm. Uh, the characterizations are not. But uh, he actually was a character from the comics. Um uh, he says, Vafanculo! <laughs> right before he gets his head cut off. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's oftentimes the, the last words of a very angry Italian person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he gets his head lopped off uh, to flare lighting. Uh, so basically the Punisher lights a, a, like a road flare, essentially, and plops it down the center of the table. And he just goes to fucking town on these people. Stabbing it's the delicious. fuck out of people. <laughs> Top of the head under the chin in the neck fucking everything throwing through the forehead he just murks these fu- i think he breaks the old lady's neck too yeah actually i that's one of those things that it's like a quirk that comes with having a lady director is it's like everybody's on the table there's <laughs> equal opportunity murder yeah like the old man's wife uh, with her big blown out hairdo she actually reaches for a gun uh that's like stowed away in the old man's wheelchair and i, I love his line about uh Billy the Butte says, like, you're looking good, old man. And he's like, what are you talking about? I shit in a bag. (laughs) But, yeah, she tries to pull a gun on the Punisher. And, yeah, he just grabs her and just snaps her neck. He's like, hey, she pulled a gun. I have free free reign to do whatever at this point. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, butter knives are thrown in people's eyeballs. People's throats are getting slashed open. Uh, and then he starts like pulling his guns out when the lights come back up, and it just turns into a fucking three sixty degree shooting gallery. Yeah, he he hangs upside down like the the, the brothers from the Boondock Saints. Uh, this is where he basically from the chandelier. Yeah, he's just hanging from the chandelier, spinning around. By the way, like they could still shoot you. You're actually in a like a worse position because like you're not hiding between anything. You're just a floating body. Uh, but I guess he's killing them fast enough. But he basically John Wicks his way out of here. Uh, uh, Billy has an opportunity to kill him, or he's at least kind of stuck, but he ends up escaping instead of trying to stop him. Yeah, it's it's mostly because uh, Billy was saved by his argument with the old man. You see, he was fed up, and he didn't want to go to dinner. So he's like, fuck it, I'm going to get a drink, and I'm just going to peace out. 
so he wasn't in the dining hall when all the mayhem started but i i'm sorry this sequence is kind of fucking awesome if you haven't seen it folks uh, some of my favorite kills uh, in this sequence are a dude gets a chair leg kicked into his eye socket yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> that was amazing because the guy basically he like is caught off guard and the punisher's going to town on everybody and so he like picks up a chair to like throw at him or something the punisher just like fucking front kicks it and it, it pushes back into the guy's face <laughs> it's like oh oh no that's not supposed to go there <laughs> um, and then yeah of course the knife on top of the head very reminiscent of tommy lee jones's kill in uh under siege uh always welcome a lot of people get shot they fall from balconies and stuff so we get some high fall gags and stuff uh but there's a really neat bit of choreography here where you said he goes john wick on these people uh, but what's kind of neat about this particular Punisher is his uh, inefficiency. Because, like, sometimes he fucks up a little bit. And it just adds a little extra dimension to the choreography. Because, basically, he gets shot in the back. Mm. Like, he just gets to- totally caught off guard by some asshole who shoots him in the back. He's armored, but so it only staggers him. But his response to that is to jump and, like, do a human like flying torpedo at him yeah so he does like a dragon screw into his he like headbutts him he flying headbutts him um oh. which causes him to break his own nose oh he gives uh, somebody the punisher that is he gives somebody the people's elbow later like he's straight yes up, he does yeah yes he does <laughs> i even it's caught fantastic. that yeah i was trying but to i love the bit with <laughs> i was trying to explain I love the, the bit with the nose oh yeah the bit with the nose go ahead sorry no, I love the bit with the nose because after all the all the shootings done in the in the dining hall, we get the shot of of Ray Stevenson's Punisher uh, walking down the hallway and just kind of like snorting, like like you can t- yeah yeah <laughs> it's making that funny like like nasal cavity noise. You can yeah. tell he's uncomfortable, but he's still kind of like moving along, like he's, he's just kind of trucking along. But um, as he's exiting the building, uh, basically trying to finish things off by taking out Billy. Uh, that would be Dominic West. Uh, he gets caught by Soap's uh, fellow, like his partner, basically. It's a, it's another patrolman, like a police officer. Uh, and then the guy lets him go yeah. and uh, gives him the keys to his car, so like empowering him to pursue the mafia. Uh, and then he like strikes himself to make it look like he got like I don't know the keys taken off of him or something so we haven't learned this yet but i think we kind of allude to it in the uh, at this beginning scene with uh soap so soap is like kind of obsessed with him and we're not sure why why he's obsessed with the punisher he's like do you think he's going to show up tonight like i think he's going to show up tonight um but we learned that dash is uh, or soap is uh the one who's supposed to be catching the punisher apparently uh but there's more to that <laughs> we will see um, yeah, we will we'll see. <laughs> uh, but now we get to the broken glass factory, as I like to call it. I mean, I I don't really see any other practical purpose for it to exist. But yeah, that is essentially what it is. Um, and basically, this is Rosati's hideout. Uh, so Billy the Butte's hideout. Um, it, I think it's supposed to be like a recycling plant or something. Um, but yeah, he's he's hiding out here, and uh, we also get introduced to McGinty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'd be T.J. Storm and his uh, his buddies. Who I, I don't know if you'd call this parkour. It's, this is more this is more just like tricking. It's supposed to uh, be parkour, but it's we weren't putting parkour in movies quite yet. It's the it's it's early parkour. Like I think the sport was probably very popular, but we hadn't quite we hadn't spent time having stuntmen actually go through parkour through buildings and shit like that. 
I think you're right. That timeline, I think, matches up because uh, District B-13 was a, a French action film uh, that came out, which featured like one of the, I think he's like supposed to be one of the originators of a of parkour. Mm. Um, I forget his name, but uh, it's two guys, one of whom is in Casino Royale in the opening sequence, and basically he's just there to showcase the art form, but... Uh, I don't. I don't think like in the West or at least America anyway. We we really had a name for that thing. It was. I think it was just like free running. Yeah. But even then, like you said, I don't think it was being taught or practiced uh, widespread. Um, these days, it's like you you know it when you see it. But back then, it was just kind of like, oh, what's that thing they do where they jump and they roll over shit? <laughs> Those are some of the most brutal wipeout videos you will find on the internet. Is people fucking up doing parkour like. Whew. You'll relocate. Oh, yeah. You'll relocate from your TV watching some of that shit. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. I think we've all seen. You know, some of those people in like Eastern Bloc, like former Eastern Bloc states, like taking taking a header through some like construction yard or something. I'm gonna or, like, jump some from bombed out building. I'm gonna jump from this building to that shipping container. Nope, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna try. <laughs> You're gonna need dental reconstructive surgery. Uh. uh but yeah, Kyle, do you want to explain McGinty and like his his place in this narrative here? We don't get explained exactly what what he is just yet, but there's you know what I'm not going to bury the lead. I'll let you know what it is. So McGinty is uh, a dude who does parkour with a couple of buddies, and uh, they smoke meth, and they're just constantly high on methamphetamine. I don't really know what his job is. He's given like a thousand bucks, and I guess are they supposed to find the Punisher? I'm not entirely sure. No, at this stage in the film, uh, they're couriers. Couriers, um, okay. Basic, basically, uh, Billy Rosati uh, is trying to. He's trying to get some money to a fellow named Christu, uh, who is a Romanian gangster oh, okay. uh, somewhere in New York, and they he's the one that's actually carrying out the the bioweapon deal. Okay. Uh, so basically, he's just using McGinty and his parkour uh, as a foot courier of of sorts. Um, but yeah. I, McGinty is actually a character from the comics. Uh, he was featured in the the Max uh, imprint stories, the ones I mentioned. Um, and his his story is not this. Like he's not a meth head, as far as I remember in the comics. But he was a black, like literally, like dark skinned Irish gangster um, in one of the better stories from that from that storyline. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll point out some of the the comic book connections as we go on. Uh, it does need to be said that Jigsaw is. One of the Punisher's very few recurring villains, uh, because a big problem with the Punisher is that the man plays for keeps. Uh, so in terms of like writing recurring villains for him, it's a Kinda little hard bit of a problem because he kills the fuck out of everybody. Because he kills Punisher. the fuck out of pretty much everyone. Yeah, <laughs> he punishes them permanently. So Jigsaw is one of the few guys who has stuck around over the years, um, and a lot of the other guys end up being like shared villains. Like um, the Kingpin, oftentimes is thought of as kind of a punisher villain but daredevil is usually most associated with him as well as spider-man but yeah there's very few guys that that the punisher's not allowed to kill uh, including jigsaw because um jigsaw has been killed a couple of times but usually the story behind jigsaw is kind of similar to tim burton's uh take on batman 89 was um billy the butte was a, a handsome mafia guy who uh, the punisher threw him like face first through a plate glass window um, and then he had a psychotic break um, as a result of it. And sometimes he has power armor, sometimes he doesn't. But in this movie, he's mostly just kind of a fucking clown, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not especially threatening, despite his looks. It's kind of weird how that works out. 
but yeah, uh, he's hiding out. Uh, Billy the Butte, that is, is hiding out in his recycling plant. Meanwhile, he's trying to ferry this money off to Christu uh, to facil- facilitate this bioweapon deal. Uh, we get another infiltration scene. It's very brief. Basically, the Punisher has <laughs> he has the smallest crossbow I've ever yeah. seen. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's it's adorable. Yeah, he pulls out this little tiny crossbow, and then he just shoots this dude in the neck real quick, and then he hops a fence and fucking people elbows this fucking dude out. I'm like, damn! Like this movie starts off really strong. Yes, I mean we get flying elbow drops, we get chair legs put through people's eyeballs, we get an old lady getting her neck snapped. We all good things. We <laughs> have we're gonna have oh we're gonna have one of the most brutal old lady deaths post like. <laughs> Um, old lady is dead in the movies that I've ever seen <laughs> because she don't see her yeah. die. Thank God. Yeah, it's it's pretty disrespectful. Whew. But again, lady lady, lady direct. director, keep she, it up. She's just like you know what old old ladies get shot too. You know, yeah. it just happens, man. It's the animal kingdom. <laughs> it's natural. Um, um, but yeah, uh, Punisher makes his way into the glass factory. And it needs to be said that uh, Billy the Butte, as Kyle had said, does have, like, a, a, a goon squad, like a primary goon squad. Um, but one of them is this guy, Nikki, uh, who has kind of been, like, I don't know, the cool guy. The yeah. Group. He has the best hair. He's, he's best dressed. He seems like he, he's compliant and everything, but he seems to be a little bit better put together than everyone else. Yeah. And, of course, he just, like... I can't tell if he's, like, coming out of the toilet or something, but he just, like, opens the door absentmindedly, and the Punisher's like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> and he just shoots him in the chest without thinking twice. And, uh, spoiler alert, it is revealed in a few minutes that Nikki was actually an FBI informant. Uh, and we do see that there's, like, a, a truck, like or a van, actually, like, parked out front, um, listening in to the, the, like, the bug that he had strapped to him. Uh, so as soon as he goes down, the FBI is like, motherfuck. Yeah. Uh, so they, they give chase and they head into the factory. But uh, Kyle, do you want to explain um, what happens when Billy the Butte runs afoul of the Punisher up on these uh, catwalks? Yeah, I, I even have uh, like a note in here. I'm like, Jesus, Frank. Uh, so what happens is he's going in there to get Billy the Butte. Uh, they have a little scuffle. Oh, they're about to have a scuffle. They're having to shoot off. And Frank shoots the like the the railing behind uh, behind Billy, and he falls into this uh, broken glass. So instead of Mercy killing him and just shooting him in the head, which he could easily do, instead... Fish in a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't be any more of a sitting duck. So he instead, Frank turns on this uh, big, big vat of glass, basically, like a recycler, and this thing starts chucking more bottles in and starts spinning and breaking the glass. I'm like, Jesus, dude. Like, that is pretty fucked up. And basically, uh, Billy gets stuck in this broken glass uh, whirlpool and is all kinds of fucked up. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's pretty juicy. I was very happy with this uh, in the theater. I was like, you know what? If, if you're going to modify the origin of, uh, of Jigsaw, Jigsaw, uh, this is certainly a way to do it it's kind of dialed up to 11 this is not being thrown through a plate glass window uh clarence boddicker style like in robocop uh this is a bit more than that uh however one thing that i get a chuckle out of now and in fact just the the general color grading of this movie uh, it needs to be said i do kind of like the 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 color the color scheme for this film i do too Uh, there's a lot of neon at play there's a lot of really kind of gross grungy colored lighting going on 
it fits mm-hmm. especially because this is kind of explicitly trying to be a comic booky movie unlike the thomas jane one which actually from a, a visual standpoint is kind of hideous to look at it's it is sinfully boring to look at at times it's crazy bright and it takes place in, fl- in miami like that's yeah mm. yeah so everybody's kind of greasy but when you think Miami, though, you think colorful. Yeah. Like, you think fucking Michael Bay. You think pain and gain and stuff. Yeah. But that movie is not that. That movie is dominated, like, like by browns and grays and stuff. Yeah, you want to see The Rock doing blow. You don't want to see fucking <laughs> Ben Foster playing video games in a wheelchair. Yeah, no. From a visual standpoint, I, I think this movie is stronger, even though you could characterize it as gross at times. Like it's not nice to look at, but it's interesting. It was the least. it was the aesthetic of the time for dark movies because this. I mean, it's got a real like this is how Saul was lit. Like it's the same kind of idea. Thank you, thank you, Kyle. Actually, you beat me to it, so you ruined my point. Sorry. <laughs> no, the point I was trying to make uh, in in too many words was that this is a Lionsgate product, as is the Saw franchise. Ah, and the color landscape and just the gory vibe of it you can tell that maybe some of the same producers may have been involved. Um, and not only that, this prop, this this uh, vat that uh, Billy gets tossed into, looks like a rejected saw trap. It does. Uh, because did you see the horns on it? Yeah. <laughs> it has fucking horns. Yeah. Why Why does a recycling device have horns? Yeah, I think they scrapped They scrapped uh, that and they did the needle pit instead for Saw 2. It's like, no, 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 no we're going to do the needle pit. We don't, we're not going to do the, the glass thing. Do that for a different movie. I mean, it's not unheard of. I remember reading a newspaper article a long time ago about uh, the the Hummer from uh, The Rock being disassembled and part like components of it were repurposed to make the I think it was the armadillos from Armageddon. Oh, also also a Michael Bay film. Uh, like I remember that was actually part of the origin of those hmm. things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just took some props here and there and said, hey. We got this horned spinny thing. <laughs> like, want to use that for your Punisher movie? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's pretty delicious when he turns on that vat. We do get to see Dominic West basically repeatedly yell, Fuck you, fuck castle! You. Fuck and, you, castle! And it's Jigsaw. Not Jigsaw. Jigsaw. <laughs> Jigsaw. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the old guy from Godzilla vs. Biolanti who insists on saying godzilla i have a <laughs> like <laughs> i have a professor who's from the northeast and he says uh he his w's are r's and it's it's really funny he's he cracks I, me up i i would not be able to not laugh like i'm sorry but he, <laughs> he's like no it's not funny but he, he's a smile talker you know those people that are always they're always talk like they're smiling when they're talking yeah he's always yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah so he uh frank figures out he he unbuttons this guy's shirt he realizes that he's an agent and then he goes back to his uh his subway abode by the way he's just walking through the streets of new york full repeatedly I mean, but you repeatedly. know it's funny i was watching this and it took me a minute to be like oh that that's not right. He shouldn't be walking down because people fucking do that now. They're just walking down the street with auto, like semi-automatic weapons on their person. And I'm like, oh, that, that would be really out of place in 2008. We weren't really doing that yet. So, yeah, but there's nobody up. I mean, it doesn't seem like a great part of town. But the other, the other thing is he just kind of walks down the, the subway track. I'm like, I feel like they got cameras down there. They've also got people, like, kind of watching. So it seems kind of weird how he's just able to go down there. But, yeah. He's upset with himself. He's killed an agent. He's about to make 
I'm going to assume chamomile. He doesn't seem like a coffee guy, but I could be wrong. Uh, and then he, what does he throw against the wall in frustration that has a shock? So Kyle, I'm, I'm glad like we, this is something that only, only you and I would probably like key in on you, you especially, but, um, so this, this, the blocking and the acting that proceeds for the next like 20 seconds of this movie is just utterly baffling. Yeah. Cause uh, Alexia Alexander has shown that she's a very good, she's a very capable director. Like green street hooligans is objectively a pretty good movie. I love it. Uh, in terms of acting and everything like it's just a well-made movie this sequence i don't know if he was given any direction because ray stevenson just climbs down he clambers down a ladder and then like his sink is running and he just kind of like uh i guess i'll fill this uh this pot with water uh, i'm gonna do a shit job of turning off the water i'm gonna look really dejected and disappointed you know what fuck this italian coffee maker <laughs> Like, he doesn't it's so bizarre like he doesn't look like he knows his, what to do his composure is like a pitcher who has gotten two guys on base and he's just like i keeps fucking up like he's throwing the wrong pitches and the coach has to come over and talk to him real quick it's just not it's just not going well dude you gotta mix it up or we're bringing in somebody else so i mean i'm sure there's an extended take of this where lexi herself like steps in front of the camera and is like ray like pull it in pull yeah. it in <laughs> like right i mean i'm i'm, I'm pulling you out you're <laughs> angry give me, you're give frustrated me give me the ball. <laughs> you're frustrated you just killed a federal agent you don't do that so action <laughs> yeah no he he is under directed in the scene i actually quite like ray stevenson uh i'm i'm always happy to see him he's very very charming yes um and he also is very comfortable doing action roles uh he's done this kind of role quite a bit he was an excellent choice for this version of the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he looks perfect for the role. Like in terms of just looks, not in terms of charisma or acting ability. Like he looks cut straight from the Max version of the Punisher comics. He's like just the right age. He's like mid forties. You don't want too young a guy, but he like the way he carries himself. It it matches what I would assume from the character. I would like a little bit of a younger Punisher though. Give me somebody in his mid thirties. Somebody that can like move a little bit quicker because he's just a fucking hulking brood like he's just he's just a big dude yeah the max version of the character is this like he, he's very large he has the greased back hair um and like i said he he fits that perfectly what you're asking for is john bernthal yeah uh from the the netflix show which i know you haven't seen, I haven't seen correct it yet, no um he is too good actually really like he he yeah um, John, John Bernthal, Bernthal is always in it. He's a wonderful, engaging actor. Although he has one quirk that I once I pointed out to people, they can't not see. Um, he he licks his lips. He's, hmm. I'll pick he pauses it. and then he darts his tongue out to wet his lips, and they he looks shifty eyed, like side to side. And they go, they weird. <laughs> you you you'll never not see it, well, Kyle. Well, thanks for that, Trevor. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, he he is very 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 good. Um, but it's a totally different take on the character. Yeah. Um, that one has a lot more baggage than this one. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, next we, uh, we get back to, which is, I think one of the most classless lines in this film. Uh, they're like the police or the feds are running through this factory and like, we've got a live one over here, Billy the Butte. I'm like, well, how the fuck can you tell his face is mangled? But the guy says, Billy the Butte. Not anymore. I'm like, Jesus dude, why don't you get this dude a medic? Most of his face is (laughs) off. (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> he can hear you jeez you see him ah, you see him trying to blink he doesn't have eyelids anymore but he's trying to blink 
Jesus. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty mean spirited. Um, we do see one of the FBI guys like give a pause when uh, Nikki is hauled out on a on a gurney because it's like, oh shit, he was one of ours. And then we pretty much immediately cut to Nikki's funeral, yeah. where we're introduced to his uh, surviving family in the form of his wife and daughter. I don't like this daughter, man. Nah. I'm not. I'm not big on precocious children. Kyle. I hate him, dude. Just, precocious is not a word I want associated with children, especially in my Punisher movies. Yeah, I can't stand "Stand by Me." It's awful. I cannot stand. Hey, a hey, second hey! Let's of that not movie. say things we can't take back. Kyle. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> Those kids are not precocious. Like that, they're actually kind of the opposite of that, which is why it's charming. Yeah. Um, no. The, plus, you get terrifying Kiefer Sutherland. The Goonies are not. You still haven't seen the Goonies. I have not. Okay, we're gonna. That's coming up. We we, we the this Goonies is, are not good enough the, for me. This is. <laughs> it's gone on for way too long. That's gonna be coming up here soon. Like not uh, sometime soon. Maybe in the fall because okay. it's kind of got a fall feel to it. Uh, yeah, even I could tell you that just based on the couple of screenshots I've seen. Yeah, a little P and W, little P and W fall time. Um, so yeah, we get the agent's funeral. Um, we get, I think we get introduced to Budiansky. Uh Frank goes mm-hmm. to his wife and or his entire family. We get the flashback. Hey, if you didn't know, Frank Castle's entire family were murdered in front of his eyes. Uh, we get a little flashback of that he has a little cry. Budiansky, uh, Budiansky, that's such a weird name. Jesus. Budionsky. It's actually directly from the comics. I, I know it's from the comics. It's just the the it just phonetically like just saying it. Budionsky. It's just the the booty. Put put the emphasis on the booty. Kyle. Booty. Uh, yeah. Booty. Budionsky. Booty is uh you know played by Colin Sa- uh, Salmon uh, trying to hide his British accent, and he's having a conversation with the the federal agent that I believe did the bust. He did the raid. Um, they're just kind of going back and forth saying like, uh, you, I don't know. What, what do they even talk about? Uh, basically Budiansky is wanting, wanting to get things moving on finding out who is responsible and punishing them. Gotcha. I.e. the Punisher. No, the Punisher. Uh, only problem is the Punisher has a safety net in the form of the NYPD kind of enabling him. Yeah. Um, which I guess is a, is a way to hand wave away his, uh, subway hideout. By the way, inferior subway hideout to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank you. Yes. Just saying. Wait. That is the ultimate subway hideout. Yeah. How's Ninja he, Turtles two? How's he supposed to order pizza, and how's he supposed to get it for free if it takes less, uh, more than thirty minutes? <laughs> I'd love to see that. The Punisher ordering a pizza through a sewer grate. Yeah. <laughs> Just the dollar bill up. Yeah. Slide it through well, the grate. Dollar, it would be a dollar bill, and then like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's your tip. You dropped it. <laughs> uh, Sometimes I'd like to get my hands on dominoes. <laughs> uh, no, no, he just... No, 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 the guy, he holds up the gun. He's like, do you want to buy some weed? Pop, pop. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude. That's a misdemeanor. <laughs> That's a misdemeanor in this city. I mean, it's 2008. It, was, it wasn't legal. jeez. <laughs> yeah, it was real illegal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh... Budiansky, uh, he's mad. He goes into the police station. And he yells at the police, which is kind of, kind of. I kind of like him. It, it's kind of corny. Him yelling at the police. You bunch of, don't sucking down donut motherfuckers. And that's it's the, even better than that. You, do. you crispy cream motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty bad line, but I love its delivery. Um, let's see here. So yeah, he uh, he goes down to meet with Soap. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna go work in the basement, and they have a good chuckle. And this is the scene where I'm like, 
this is a comic book. Like, we are trying so hard for these characters to feel like this is actually ha- happening in a comic book. And I, I actually really liked it once I realized that's what they were going for in this movie. Because you could really pick it up on some of these characters. Like, th- like you said, the dialogue is bad. But if you think about this as being, like, taken directly from a comic book, it feels like it's taken directly from a comic book, including the dialogue. Yeah, actually, I, I find it kind of cozy. Because it's like we actually have talented actors delivering this poor dialogue, mm-hmm. um, but they're doing it with with the right energy. Where it's like they're not reaching they're not reaching further than the material is is warranted. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting because if they had done like a editing like in the in the style of like Ang Lee's Hulk with the actual like panels and oh, stuff, God. like like the multicam transitions and stuff, that would have been intolerable. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't stomach that. That would actually irritate me. But this strikes a nice balance. Um, but yeah, basically we learned that uh, Soap has like a, a big fancy degree, but he's been relegated to the basement uh, on the, they call it the Punisher Task Force. Um, and we have the, uh, I don't think it was used in the trailer, but may as well have been like basically like, so which one of these files is the Punisher yeah. file? It's like, all of them <laughs> it's the whole basement that's like the yellow king hasn't even killed that many people dude like the punisher has been putting in work uh yes yes very much so uh um next we cut back to the punisher in his hideout and we get introduced to both kyle and i like a, a mutual favorite of ours newman. in the form of a yes newman, newman. hello newman hello uh, jerry yeah <laughs> We need more fog in our voice to do a Wayne Knight. It's very difficult to, to just sporadically yeah, do Yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Like, Excellent. He, like, if I'm, if I'm, like, just, like, sometimes, uh, like, Seinfeld will pop on some places. Like, that was one of those on cable. Like, you would just, like TNT or TBS would just have Seinfeld reruns. Two characters that I will stop and watch their scenes for. First one, Jerry Stiller. Anytime he pops up, you're going to watch the Jerry Stiller scene. The second is fucking Newman. Every time. Oh, my God. Jerry Stiller, we, we miss you so much. Yes. <laughs> Are you saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> you gotta! They, they needed more Jerry Stiller in Seinfeld, if you ask me. Yeah, I had to explain stopping short to my girlfriend the other day. <laughs> That's my move. I stopped short. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wayne Knight is in this movie. And if you've ever seen what Micro uh, from the Punisher comics looks like, this is picture-perfect casting. Like, if, if you had to ask me in 2008, oh, who should we get to play Micro? It's like, oh, fucking duh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Wayne Knight. Um, but yeah, basically what's going on here is the Punisher is mightily upset over the fact that he killed, in his own words, an agent in the field. <laughs> um he says it in a very triple h kind of way um and he's deeply upset to the point that he's considering retirement uh, meanwhile microchip who is essentially his fixer like uh he's the guy who his his supplier of weaponry yeah uh explains to him that it's like hey man you're fighting a war on crime and like collateral damage is a thing so be like ready for it suck it up and he's like dude get out of my house but here's some extra money call it a retirement package uh so yeah they're kind of at odds with each other here and this is the part of the movie where because we can't have action all the time because we don't have the biggest of budgets 
um, the Punisher has to kind of do the Spider-Man 2 thing and, like, retire for 20 minutes yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Bat- Batman, I understand. He's mortal. Like, he's got broken bones. It makes sense that he would retire. Uh, Spider-Man, what the fuck else are you going to do? You are not a good photographer, man. Like, <laughs> unless you're going to use your Spider-Man abilities, you're, you're going to starve. Uh. Oh, yeah, F- photojournalism. In the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an easy gig. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to fucking work. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but um, yeah, the, the Punisher is a, an interesting character in this way because they, they get into it more on the Netflix show, but some interpretations of the character have him almost having, like, a, a, a lot of interpretations, actually, have him, like, almost having a death wish. Mm. This one touches on it for a minute, uh, not as much as the Netflix one, but... Oftentimes, he ends up being the kind of character that goes into almost every situation just kind of expecting to, to eat a bullet and die. Mm. And then he just never does. And he's he's almost like the, the shark from Jaws. It's just like, well, what now? It's like, well, keep swimming, keep eating, <laughs> keep making little sharks. Although, I don't think Frank's terribly interested in that part. No. But <laughs> he keeps swimming and he keeps eating just because that's what he does. Yeah, he has not busted um, a nut in a long time. Uh, so, yes, we oh, get... No, 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 no. It is it is dusty down there, man. <laughs> the bats are flying out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, so, Tumbleweeds. Yeah. Now we get to Jigsaw, uh, and he has gotten some plastic surgery from his doctor. And uh, he's kind of having a conversation with his, uh, his goons. Now... Here's the problem that Jigsaw has. One, his entire family that he worked worked with or worked for has been wiped out. It's pretty much just him. So he has no muscle. Two, he has no money. But yet these two dudes are still working for him. No problem. Like, dude, I would just like leave. I'm like, I've got a resume now. He's fucking done. Get out of here. But anyway, he's like, well, first of all, we gotta get we gotta find my money. Next. Who's the next akin for that uh, for that FBI agent or whatever? And I don't know how that's going to help him. Uh, basically, we had a situation which is only barely touched on <clears throat> um, prior to uh, the the face fucking of Jigsaw. Um, basically, we had a situation where Billy had quite a bit of cash. I think it was like two hundred k or something stowed away. Yeah. Um, and he handed it off to Nikki to launder. Ah, yes. Uh, so it was in limbo, and the responsibility fell to Nikki to know where that went. Uh, so basically, we have some money that got disappeared, and the only trace of it we have is Nikki. Uh, so he's like, well, Nikki's dead. Uh, who else can we shake down to maybe get a hold of that? Uh, so that's where his mind's at. But yeah, we get the uh, the Joker uh, face surgery sequence essentially. Did you? Although jazzed up with uh, all sorts of neon orange lighting and whatnot. Did you? Did you notice the foley artist artistry for this unveiling of his face? The taking off the bandages. <laughs> Explain it to the folks at home. Kyle. It's incredible. Like taking off bandages makes almost exactly no noise, but it's like tearing flesh and sticky flesh. It's like sticky tearing flesh coming off and. It's really dramatic, uh, but uh, I do like that when we get the reveal, uh, we haven't even seen his face yet, but uh, the cokehead son just fucking immediately pukes when he sees his face, which is a, it's pretty funny. It's funny, but I wish there was like a physical puke prop. I, yeah. I, I wanted to see fluid on his shoulder. Yeah. Inst- instead, we just get the body language and the sound effect, 
Um, by the way, uh, our, our our friends Harrison and Jordan at the Grief Burrito Podcast will be very pleased to note uh, that some Golden Eye sound effects from the Nintendo sixty four Golden Eye most certainly do appear on the soundtrack for this film really? from time to time, mostly in the form of like grunts where it's like wait oh <laughs> like that kind of stuff um and maybe even like a silenced gun sound effect here and there but um yeah uh, we do get the unmasking essentially of jigsaw although he's not quite jigsaw he hasn't called no. himself that yet although we do see the origin of that he uh put some sort of surgical instrument through his doctor's forehead by the way pretty funny it's uh, a it's a funny transition if you ask me yeah and it's kind of interesting because uh the interpretation uh, again, I don't know what the directing style was on the set for this movie, but I feel like maybe Lexi Alexander maybe was a bit unfocused in terms of like some character stuff. Because like, like we had said, Ray Stevenson has like 20 seconds of screen time, uncut, where he looks like utterly clueless. Yeah. He has no fucking clue what he's supposed to be doing or, or feeling in that moment. What we have here, though, is we have Dominic West playing Jigsaw, um, but he kind of vacillates back and forth or maybe even like into three different interpretations of the character because the whole the whole idea of the character initially is that he's body proud he's image proud he you know he's vain essentially and now he's robbed of that and he flips out about it so badly to the point they sticks a surgical tool in somebody's fucking face yeah um and then sometimes he seems like he's okay with it but then sometimes, like, he has a moment with his brother uh, where he breaks down and he, like, sees himself in the mirror and he's like, I'm a monster. I look fucking hideous, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he kind of jumps back and forth between being cool with it and not being cool with it. And then sometimes he's just in full-on, like, Joker clown mode. So he's he's wildly inconsistent. It's a little bit distracting. Um, The only reason I'm going on and on and on about this is because those Judoni Kenshin movies I've told you about, the... Uh, samurai movies based on the manga mm-hmm. uh, speaking of which the most recent ones are free on netflix right now mm. i still haven't watched them yet but they they were and are pretty much one of my most anticipated of this year uh, in terms of movies um there's a character in the second and third movie shishio uh who is grotesquely mutilated and wears like mummy bandages throughout his entire screen time and what's so brilliant about that that actor's performance is that he still acts like he still has the swagger of a handsome man. Mm. Like he's totally unfazed by the fact that he's been set on fire and looks like a, a smelly mummy man. Gotcha. <laughs> like he still dresses flash. He's like, his color scheme is like gold and purple. Like he has flashy kimonos and he has like a hot chick on his arm all the time. And he like walks into the room. Like he's got the biggest dick ever. And, but then you look at him, it's like, you look terrible. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't even care because he inside he still sees himself as the same. Gotcha. Uh, whereas this Jigsaw seems to be a little bit confused. But um, yeah, long story short, he he selects this name for himself um, in a very hackneyed way. Yeah. He, he, look, he looks out into the street and he sees like a, it's, it's like a, a billboard, like an electronic billboard that shows images of new york uh, assembled in like jigsaw pieces and then the the visual language of the film tells us that he retained that image and he decided because his face has been stitched together i may as well call myself jigsaw yeah from here on out <laughs> uh, yeah but that's the origin of jigsaw um is this where uh 
is this where we get Ray Stevenson like kind of being the creeper in the park for a second? Maybe like I just kind of <laughs> glossed over his shit, like because he kind of does. Like next thing I have what? is is Looney Bin Jim. Yeah, let's get right to it then. By the way, uh, we just have a random JPEG like <laughs> of gargoyles. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like very clearly that's just a stock image. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, yeah I noticed that too. I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Um, yeah, the cloud the clouds are not moving in that shot. Kyle. <laughs> I guess it's just supposed to be like uh, next scene. We're still with Jigsaw. Like we haven't. We're still doing bad people things. Oh, yeah, this is where yeah. he's like, I'm going to be Jigsaw. We're going to go bust my brother James, not Looney Bin Jim. He gets very upset when you say Looney Bin Jim. Uh, we're going to go break him out of the mental institution. Uh, he, Doug Hutchinson, is so annoying in this movie. Um, he drives me nuts. He's good at playing annoying characters. Like, him and the, him and the Green Mile is just, oh, I, I love... Uh, I love that character in that movie because you, you hate him so much. But here he's a bad kind of annoying. He's supposed to be menacing, and it just doesn't come off like that. But he's kind of catatonic, uh, strapped to a bed, and he's about to get fed. They, the, uh, what are they called? Um, orderly. Orderly, yeah. Orderly just gives him some pills and offers him some applesauce. But instead, the orderly starts eating the applesauce. Uh, doctor comes to the door. Uh, doctor is with a jigsaw who gets a pretty tasty neck break on this doctor uh pretty great um but yes now we're breaking looney bin jim out and this is where we get the he can eat people alive apparently uh it's one of his superpowers yeah uh as far as i know looney bin jim is not from the comics he was entirely manufactured for this movie and i agree with you wholeheartedly the performance is kind of annoying he adds roughly three minutes of screen time just based on his speech speech cadence mm-hmm. Uh, he, he enunciates very clearly, but not in that fun John Malkovichian way. Uh, <laughs> he is matching. He is matching Dominic West with uh, awful, awful fucking New York accent. Yes, he he is. So they do feel like brothers in that sense. But yeah, he is mostly obnoxious. And at some point, maybe two thirds of the way through the movie, I did notice that uh, he really isn't given much more dialogue, and he just kind of goes. Hey, hey in the background every yeah. once in a while and again that might be a sign of like flawed direction where they were they were really weren't sure what to do with him uh such that i noticed he's he has a grip strengthener uh kind of yes. gives you flashbacks of work huh kyle yeah <laughs> <about> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah that whole office back there is just full of people with grip strengtheners um he just kind of does that and paces uh for most of his scenes later on in the movie but yeah his introduction is here uh, he he, kind of bursts out of his catatonic stupor the moment he sees his brother. By the way, when when a jig jigsaw uh, appears at the door with the doctor, it's very much the Dark Knight, uh, the coming off the elevator sequence, yeah. uh, where the Joker's uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is behind the fella in the, in the elevator. Um, but yeah, uh, Looney Bin Jim accosts this uh, orderly who was kind of harassing him a little bit. Uh, not quite as bad as the T2 orderly, the Terminator 2 orderly, who is the worst orderly and maybe seen in cinema. Oh, yeah, fuck um, that dude. Oh, yeah, he is a scumbag. Scumbag. Uh, he gets his comeuppance. He gets his comeuppance. Yeah. Uh, and this guy does, too. Uh, this guy gets apparently eviscerated, and Looney Bin Jim informs him, I'm going to eat your kidneys because they're considered a delicacy in Sweden. Uh, yeah, he's doing like, uh, it's almost like a John Malkovich impression. It's like John Malkovich yeah. by, by way of Brooklyn, yeah. 
I want the dressing on the side. Did you know <laughs> that kidneys and applesauce are a de- delicacy in Sweden? Yeah, that's 100% Malkovich. It, it's very Malkovichian, um, but there's there's just not the charisma that comes no, with Malkovich. Nobody has that charisma. Uh, no, so yeah, after... I suffer without my stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, but yes, but during the scene, like, uh, so the, I think they might be brother lovers. I think that they, they have a very strange closeness that is not explained. It's very odd, because... He's very, I mean, I get it, you haven't seen your brother in a while, you give him a hug, he gives him like a nice kiss on the cheek, I know he's supposed to be Italian, they fucking do that shit, but the scene with the mirrors, I'm like, I think they they might be into each other, because it's a little odd. Okay, uh, different interpretation, similar though. I don't think brother lovers, but I'm joking. When I, I say brothers you, love brother lovers. I, I, I know, but like an actual interpretation, I think, would be. I have to imagine there was some form of abuse in that uh, household yeah. growing up. Yeah. And I would imagine the two of them probably got real tight. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. I can see that. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so, yeah. So, this is where uh, Frank is getting out of the game. Uh, he's going to go give some money to the agent's uh, uh, widow and daughter. And he goes to step up. And the girl's like, you're in my light. Okay, so first of all, this little girl is sitting on her front porch at late at night because that's when you know Frank Castle goes out. That's how you get fucking snatched up <laughs> as a kid. So this is bad parenting for for one. Uh, and he's just kind of having a conversation with this girl. And uh, Angela Julie Benz comes uh, like comes out there with a gun and like, hey, you get inside, little girl. And then she's like, fuck you, motherfucker. And she's like, here, there's some money for you. He's like, you don't just to give it. You don't just to give us money. You know, you killed my fucking husband. And the little girl's like, little girl comes out, pops her head out. I was like, I can't find my red paint or some shit. I'm like, bitch, read the room. Like, your mom's got a gun <laughs> on this. If, if my mom had a gun on so, at somebody's chest on the front porch, I'm like, I'm calling the cops or doing something else. Like, I'm not going to go ask about my fucking paint. Yeah, there is a enormous sad man that smells of death. <laughs> standing on the porch with your mother <laughs> maybe read the room yeah this 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 child performance is pretty awful yeah no. we, we don't often draw attention to that but I, i'm sorry yeah, no, she's uh, bad. again flawed direction um i think we're trying to go with precocious or sweet or something but this girl seems utterly detached from reality yeah um because like you said the, the first thing she said you're in my light yeah. it's like Dude, that's a stranger standing on your porch in a in a. He doesn't quite have a duster on, thank God. Yeah. But if he did, that's a, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, like I just wouldn't move. Like, don't fucking move. He might not see yeah, you. Make yourself small and don't breathe. Jesus. But I like this where Frank. Uh, she's like, "Who punishes you? You punish everybody. Who punishes you?" And he's just like, he like point, pulls her gun down. He's like, "Just you can go ahead and shoot me in the chest." I'm like, "Dude, I get that you're feeling guilty, but maybe don't ask the widow." Of some guy, like of uh, some dude you just killed, to shoot you in the chest. I don't think that she needs that on her conscience. Okay, <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the daughter's like right there, mm. so she'd bear witness to it. So you're gonna have <laughs> you're gonna have the wife of a man you killed that she knows about shoot you in the chest in front of her uh, child. Uh, her child. Yeah, Frank. Come on, dude. Like, <laughs> just kill yourself if you feel bad about it. Yeah, joking aside, I actually don't mind the dialogue here from him in particular. Yeah. Julie Benz, ha- she's trying to do the New York thing too. Yeah. And Ray, Ray Stevenson, thank God, is not. 
even though Frank Castle is supposed to be a denizen of New York, Ray Stevenson is most certainly not. And I think he read the room and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to play this very flat and straight and it'll work out. You know who could have done it? Laura Linney. Uh, Remember Mystic? Did you see Mystic River? I did. It's pretty good. But there's like, spoiler alert, Sean Penn realizes that he killed his friend and he didn't need to. And Laura Linney's like, fuck that. You were taking care of your family. Fuck all, fuck all that. You were doing what you thought was right. Don't feel bad about that shit. Like, God damn. That was fucking brutal. I think she could have... Laura, Laura Linney is is too good for this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, know the, I, I know she did Congo. Yeah. But, you know, that was an isolated incident. We all have speed bumps in our careers. Yeah. Um, but as an actress, she is tremendous. Like, like, when it comes to playing the bad guy, like, being that lady... She is damn good. Yeah. Like she is not afraid to play unlikable characters, and she excels at it. Uh, Congo <laughs> would have been watchable if Tim Curry did not do that Romanian accent. It would totally be watchable. That is the that's it's, what keeps it from being watchable bad movie. It's not even a Romanian accent. It, whatever that's what's he's funny. whatever he's doing, <laughs> he's putting some wobble use on on his W's. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that or if. Uh, Joe Don Baker showed up with it with a chopper with an attack chopper to fight the apes at the end. Yeah, that would have been good. Like with it with his cane or like with power armor. More Joe Don Baker and more Bruce Campbell. Oh, would obviously, have made that yeah. Better. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But uh, yeah, long story short, she refuses the money, um, and Ray Stevenson does give a little bit of her performance here. He basically explains like you know, I am I am open to the idea of you shooting me and yeah. ending my life. Um, but do she I look happy? Because... <laughs> it's like, do I look like I'm happy with my choices in life up to this point? I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that would be the scene that follows yeah. this. It's the Punisher sitting in his subway hideout. <laughs> that would have been idiot. that would have been way better. Yeah, after he realized he killed the Fed. <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should take that audio, Kyle. I should take that audio and put that on. The... That would have been fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Uh, so yeah, the bro- the brother lovers make it to a hotel. I, I, does he have the whole hotel or just like a fu- or the whole building? Because he's like, yeah, this guy had it because he used to bang hookers here. I'm like, it's a fucking like thirty story building. I'm like, can you just get like a condo for that? Maybe that's what it is. He's just got like uh, an office building or some shit like that. But this is where uh, Jigsaw starts to cry because he looks at his ugly face. And this is a really weird scene. Uh, fucking Looney Ben Jim, sorry, James, uh, throwing his body and body parts into all the mirrors, which there are a ton of mirrors in the lobby. And Jigsaw just laughing at him. Those are the weirdest scenes when he's just like laughing at uh, James doing stuff. Like I said, they're, we're trying to be complimentary of this production because, like, regardless of how often we make fun of this movie folks at home it's important to note both kyle and i have disclosed we enjoy this movie we've both seen it many times and we will probably continue to watch it in the future (laughs) Um, but uh obviously there's some flaws here and there and i want to say that there is some anemic direction going on like there was there's clearly moments where actors are floundering and are not entirely certain what the scene calls for and there's there are scenes like this. I, I'll call attention to the one in particular that I think is cringeworthy. Um, but there are a lot of scenes where Dominic West just kind of seems like he flaps his arms around, and just goes like, "Well, end scene, maybe." Not entirely sure, but whatever. Um, but yeah, all the all the glass gets broken because James 
uh, LBJ. <laughs> I, I actually find that acronym kind of fun. Oh, that's but, way better. LBJ. Uh, yes, you're right. LBJ. LBJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, he uh, he says like I'm gonna do you a solid brother, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make sure you never have to see your ugly mug ever again. Which is sweet. Uh, it's nice. I get it. It's a brotherly thing, and you know it. It's I think what this scene is supposed to be is like showing that the two of them have like a a special kinship where it's like we the viewer have no fucking clue what's going on but the two of them obviously it means something um but yeah we proceed upstairs uh to the red room uh where we get to meet christu uh who is a romanian gangster uh who is again from the punisher max comics uh one of the very best stories from that run is called the slavers and it's basically it's kind of like Taken, mm-hmm. but with Romanians instead of Albanians, he, and it's phenomenal. This actor's the handsome terrorist from Air Force One, isn't he? Yes, I believe he's one of the heavies in that. I think he actually is of Eastern European heritage. I would assume. He may actually. I think he actually legit speaks Russian, although, um, if I remember right, he's also the villain in Exit Wounds, and he doesn't have any form of accent. Does he talk? Uh, is he like so, Sven Oli, where we just... Try not to let him no, talk. No, he's he's like the bad guy right next to Michael Jai White. Spoiler alert. He looks like a, he looks like he could definitely be a John Wick villain, like or like along those lines, like like the. Su- he was probably, if I had to guess, he may have been in the first John Wick. You're actually probably right. He probably is. He's got to be in one of those John Wick movies. I gotta. I'll have to look that up. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So here's the deal. Uh, uh, basically, Jigsaw knows there's like a little those little tussle at the table here where fucking uh the guy says something shitty to jigsaw and doug hutchinson or no uh they say something mean and uh the little translator dude gets a fucking broken wine glass through the trachea um but we learn that they're they have a bomb or some kind of explosive device that they're bringing into new york and they're not planning to ship someplace else so that's that's the kind of big deal with this uh this bomb yeah, this is basically Jigsaw uh, playing hardball with the Romanians and saying, like, hey, this biological package that's coming in through the port, uh, it's going to take a lot of payola, as he puts it, uh, to make sure that nobody snipes that job uh, in the form of, like, all the, like, Homeland Security guys that are posted in New York. Uh, so he's like, hey, I'm going to need more money for that. And, yeah, um, basically all you need to know is the deal is on and uh, translator is dead. Yes. Uh, the guy with the eyebrows did, in fact, get like a champagne glass or a martini glass through the trachea. Um, it's pretty spectacular. It's uh, one of two uh, long-necked or long-stemmed uh, wine or drinking glass deaths I know of in cinema. The other one would be uh, Steven Seagal's The Patriot, wherein uh, the heavyset fella that's in a lot of the Ernest films gets offed by Steven Seagal in that manner. I haven't seen that Seagal <laughs> movie, and I haven't seen any Ernest films. Oh, you're missing out. Well, actually, I don't think I don't think you can come to it now. I, don't I think you had to have been there as a child and growing up with it. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. I don't think watching it as an almost thirty year old person or whatever is <laughs> is is a good idea. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but next we get introduced to Carlos, uh, who the Punisher kind of scouts, at, thinking that he's like some gangster, like some Latin gangster that's like buying guns or something on the streets. Uh, but then he follows him back to what we learn in just a second is Microchip's apartment. Uh, so that'd be Wayne Knight's apartment, uh, which is also his mom's apartment, which is a very nice touch. It's kind of cute. Um, and 
oh my god i don't know about this carlos guy man <laughs> like i feel like i feel like he was told to act in a certain way that maybe is a little exaggerated we're playing with some uh some stereotypes in this movie and he's a big one but yeah he was given some direction she's just like no 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 no, more over the top please yeah <laughs> uh, carlos gonzalez vio uh, thy cup carlos runneth Cruz. over okay <laughs> let it yeah yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just like, he's like, that's McGinty and his, his urban free-flowing gang. He's a mean motherfucker. Yeah. And it's like, this is not actually in my natural speech cadence. I was asked to do this because, you know, Hollywood Holmes. <laughs> did you see that uh, the outtakes from Back to the Future that I, did I send you that? Yes, you did. Did you see <laughs> the scene where Michael J. Fox goes into the <laughs> into the uh, the school doing the impression of well, it looks like either Blood In, Blood Out, but some kind of movie from that time period. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds like that basically. Uh, yeah, basically, he's being asked to dial up his like he's asked to dial things up to eleven, yeah. and it's a little embarrassing. Um, it needs to be said though, actually, this character apparently was from the comics. Not any that I read, but apparently, uh, he was one of the like many 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 replacement heroes that we had in comic books in the 90s mm. basically there was this trend uh that was kicked off in the 90s anyway like uh by the death of superman where it's like when batman got his back broken by bane we got john paul valley as like a, a substitute batman for a while um and i guess carlos cruz in the mid 90s was that for the punisher where the punisher retired for a bit and microchipped hired this guy uh, to try to be the new Punisher, and then uh, he was very quickly killed. Uh, so his legacy in the comics lasted less than a year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't actually know that until I did a little bit of research. But um, basically all that transpires here is that we learn that uh, Microchip lives with his mom, uh, and he has Carlos working as like an assistant to uh, basically just buy guns off the streets uh, to hoard them, uh, to, to funnel into the Punisher's arsenal. Um, and the Punisher eventually comes around to the idea of doing one more hit yeah uh, godfather three style it's like every time i think i'm out they pull me back in <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh, basically the punisher's back uh he he wanted to retire it didn't work out now he's back um yeah he's back at it uh we get soap at the bar uh he's sitting there this was the scene that he looks like a, a comic book character talking because he's talking to uh Bo Bootyansky. Bootyansky. Booty. I have to look at it every time. You can just call him Booty if you need to. Uh, Agent Booty. And he's wanting... <laughs> a booty. I don't know. What does Booty want from him here? Uh, booty wants his help finding the Punisher. Um, and Soap is not helpful at all. No. He basically says, you know what I like to do? I like to hang out in my car and just kind of like listen to, the, listen to the crime reports. It's like, well, that's not very useful. But I, I think at this point booty's getting wise to the fact that um soap may be in cahoots with the punisher yeah. to some extent he's not he hasn't confirmed it but he's losing patience with soap such that he's like literally just kind of dragging him around town looking for the punisher yeah so this is where frank is going to find mcginty and i think that uh soap and booty are also watching mcginty and the boys and mcginty has just done they're going somewhere, they're currying, they just dropped something off, but they... Oh, no, they just robbed. They just robbed a jeweler. Uh, Carlos goes to that bar, and he finds out where McGinty's going to be next. Uh, and they're knocked over a jeweler or something, and they're 
post heist the cops are after him and they're just running on rooftops and stuff and this is where i had steph stop what she was doing so she could watch this because the first time i watched this movie this came out of fucking nowhere so mcginty does a nice jump from one building to the next it looks pretty cool and then as the second guy is doing his jump fucking rpg out of nowhere explodes this dude it's pretty great <laughs> it's pretty great uh, and McGinty's reaction to it is just like, what? What? <laughs> what? Dude, because if you're, I'm guessing if you're high on meth and you're just, you know, running and then your buddy just gets exploded, like, it would be a lot to process. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's so superfluous. Like, like there was no need to explode that man. No. But, <laughs> but, you know, why not? In fact, he, like, take, he has, like, a grenade launcher. That he just like puts down and picks up a different weapon yeah. to, to, to off the other two guys. He didn't it's even like, need it. Just... <laughs> yeah, he could just use the rifle for all three of them, but you know, variety is the spice of life. So you know, you gotta mix it up. Yeah, and he, he... you get a palate cleanser, goddammit. Um, but yeah, other guy gets capped right between the eyes, uh, and then McGinty gets both his kneecaps blown out. Uh, Michael live. Clark Duncan yeah. kingpin, kingpin style. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the Ben. Ben Affleck, Daredevil. One time, and I think my parents were watching it, and then they had the the playground fight, and I think I just went to my room to play guitar. I'm like, you know what? This is this isn't for me. Yeah, that's a good call. That scene is very telling of the time in which that movie was made. Um, it's embarrassing. It's. So bad. <laughs> it, I feel I feel dirty just watching it, but um, yeah, McGinty gets uh, interrogated here, and. Uh, I, I do enjoy TJ Storm's uh his Irish accent. It's yeah. very convincing. Yeah. It's 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 fun, but it's not embarrassing. He's yeah. like oh, please, Punisher, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Sumpt- <laughs> he Sumpt- sounds like Sumpt- a pirate. <laughs> so, yeah, he does sound like a pirate. <laughs> something something for something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we get a something for something. I'm like, maybe he's gonna let him You're go. you're a fucking saint. Yeah. Maybe he's gonna let him go. But uh just then, uh soap and booty are walking by and wouldn't you know it boom he gets uh an x-files death uh he gets uh just impaled <laughs> on a on some uh, like the spikiest fence i have ever seen this is a hazard like this is a very dangerous fence that's down here yeah uh it <laughs> i don't know why this needed to be designed this way other than to cause humans injury and death yeah um but yeah he gets impaled on this fence and then icing on the cake again. Mwah, mm. uh, we get to see the Punisher jump down and stomp him on the head. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great, especially because we get to see a shot after the fact where his his neck is just kind of dangling at an angle that uh, one's neck should not. Yes. Um, and yes, TJ Storm is dead. He is no longer part of the film. But all of this happens in clear view of Booty and Soap. Uh, so Booty gives chase, and he actually heads off uh, the Punisher. Meanwhile, we are cutting back and forth between what's happening between the Punisher and Booty, uh, and Jigsaw and his gang of uh, Pitsy, Ink, and LBJ uh, heading to the Donatelli house. That would be Julie Benz's house. And this is a really sad, uh, like, right stuff kind of walk, mm-hmm. where it's like four dudes walking shoulder to shoulder. It looks sad because sad. none of these guys look especially threatening or cool. No. And the editing here is just kind of, like, choppy and weird. It feels like it feels like we're filling time with this, honestly. Um, this could have been done better. It just wasn't. But 
Meanwhile, though, we have a perfectly good scene uh, in the form of a fist fight in an alleyway between the Punisher and Booty. Yeah. Um, and this uh, felt like a callback. Again, we mentioned some of the references we spotted. Uh, this felt very much like a callback to John Carpenter's They Live uh, with the Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David fist fight. Uh, unfortunately, this one isn't like five minutes long like that one was, but uh, it has a similar kind of vibe, especially the fact that this is like a borderline, like, friendly fist fight where it's like we're not trying to kill each other we're trying our best not to kill each other um but basically booty just wants to apprehend him and he does succeed in the form of putting handcuffs on him he's also i mean it's a fucking fight like they're actually getting after like uh booty's a terminator like he gets his head smashed and like he smashes a car window and he just pops right up and i think he still gets the i think it's where he gets the handcuff on like good god dude you just took a beating uh i love the bit where uh, the punisher stomps his head into the puddle and he does the like look both ways like is anybody watching because yeah. <laughs> i know that i know what this looks like but this is not what but that is I, yeah. I fully intend to let him up yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> but um yeah uh booty does slap the cuffs on him and so now we're stuck together um but the punisher informs him that uh he's wise to the fact uh, via mcginty by the way mcginty told him this that a uh, jigsaw is headed for the donatelli household and then we get the worst scene in the movie with one of my favorite parts, unfortunately. The, this is so bizarre. I think the set is what irritates me. The um, lighting? The, yes. Yeah. It looks horrible. It does look really bad. And even the camera work is really static and boring. Uh, the blocking of all the action is, like, really choppy well, and clumsy. Well, that, like, the setting of the uh, that Saw 2, like, it's in a crazy well-lit house. And it kind of reminded me of that. It's just, like, just super well-lit. Uh, yeah, so the let's see here. Yeah, the co- uh, they're making some noise. Uh, the cops end up coming to the house, and LBJ answers the answers the uh, door, and he's got like scratches all over his face. He's got like a bandage on his nose, and like the cops are like everything all right here, and he's like, no, everything's not okay. Why don't you come on in, officers? Cops, I I've like tried to invite an officer into the house one time just because i had to there was an alarm going off and she was just like she had her hand on her like on her gun i'm like no no no, it's fine i just have to turn off the alarm uh we, we set it off we hit the wrong button you can you can step inside for what she's like no 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 just like you step out here i'm like oh, okay these cops walk in no problem and uh of course that it, it's their end <laughs> No, this is embarrassing. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like this, this is embarrassing police work. <laughs> because I'm sorry, you don't have to be a cop to know that a man covered head to toe in scar tissue with that particular speech cadence. Who is telling you there is danger inside? You don't let him get behind you. Uh, <laughs> they both walk in, and he's both he's behind so, them. <laughs> from my experience, uh, now I, I'm assuming this goes for uh, law enforcement as well, but, but my experience is that on night check, you generally have people who are uh, about to retire or about to get out, uh, and then you have new people. So I think what we have here, since the, the male cop is the one taking the lead, we have old male cop who's going to retire soon, and then newer lady cop. Uh, just kind of in training still and this poor lady uh, she didn't even know what she was getting herself into this guy's a fucking idiot <laughs> no they're both dumb in their own special way but th- this is impressively dumb yeah uh, to be honest I mean I, th- um, I think he gets a baseball bat to the head like immediately these guys are terrible mm-hmm. and then what do they do to the lady cop 
she she actually fights back a little bit, and uh, Ink grabs a sword, which there are two swords just mounted on the wall. Oh, yeah. Go- very gaudy decor, but, you know, Ugh. mafia household, why the fuck not? <laughs> it goes with the territory, oh, but... This is, um, the, this is the agent's she- house, isn't it? Yeah, but he's, he's you know, undercover. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, Ink pulls a, like, a, a cutlass or something off the off the wall, and uh, LBJ uh, pushes her into it, and she gets impaled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, re- very, very lousy cops. And uh, the worst thing about this whole scene uh, is, of course, the lighting. Uh, it would have been good to have, like, an in-joke or something. Like, I, you can't really do this because this would really piss off your your lighting techs and your dp and stuff but like if you had like the cop walk in and just like adr the line it's like jesus what's your electric bill like because <laughs> like, 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 really this this house is overlit yeah. to shit um and it's kind of boring to look at but i think the worst part about this this setting is something about the layout like the the way the rooms are laid out i don't think there was enough room to work with because mm-hmm. everybody's like pushed up against the walls and it looks really unnatural like it's, everybody looks really uncomfortable like here. it's actually a house that they're shooting in not just a set exactly yeah. as, as opposed to a set where you can pull out walls and stuff and and make room for blocking and stuff but um yeah uh, both those cops bite the dust so quickly to the point that's like why even have them mm-hmm. uh but again i think maybe we're filling time or something real quick uh, that's what it feels like have any of the marvel films that have come out have they, any of them been directed by a woman or is this the only Marvel film that's ever been directed by a woman? Uh, Captain Marvel, I think, had a duo. Okay. I think it was a man and a woman. Uh, although the the woman got top billing, as far as I know. Um, and the Eternals is not out yet, but I think that one has a lady director. I think I think they're very being very keen on having uh, female led films have female directors these days. Because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Black Widow also had a, a female director as well. Okay. Um, but Captain Marvel, as far as I know, might be the only one. Interesting. I, yeah, I was just wondering, because I'm like, I was thinking about it, because there's so many different directors that, that do these films. I'm like, huh, this is the only one that I could think of that had a woman, that had a, a woman director, but... It's like, it's, or you can you can have a lot of directors, or you know, if you if you really just want to make all the money, just let John Favreau do it. John Favreau <laughs> or uh, uh, James Gunn. Yeah, uh, James Gunn uh, has his little pit stop at Warner Brothers though, uh, before he comes back to Guardians. Uh, yes, it, uh, uh, Kate Kate Shortland is directing Black Widow. Okay, thanks for that. Yep. Um, by the way, that movie actually has a release date now, which is kind of shocking. Ooh. Actually. <laughs> David Harbour and Rachel Weiss. I'm actually pretty hyped for that one. Uh, I love spy movies, and it's kind of in that wheelhouse. And it has one of my very favorite comic book characters, uh, or at least Marvel characters, uh, the Taskmaster, uh, featured in the trailers, seemingly as like the heavy, mm. maybe not the, maybe not the principal antagonist, but his skill set lends itself incredibly well to cool set pieces his ability is he can mimic anything he's seen done so if he sees captain america throw his shield he can mimic that motion perfectly and if he's seen black panther do a a acrobatic move or something he can replicate that perfectly we also have ray winstone and i believe if i'm not mistaken is it the girl yeah the girl from midsummer uh florence Pugh. nice yeah she she's she's a on 
on the fast track to big, big, big things, man. I'm like, con- she's in she's in all the big movies. I'm concerned because I do love Rachel Vice, but her character is Melina Vostokov. I have a strong, I have a sneaking suspicion someone's gonna be having a stupid Russian accent. <laughs> oh, they all are, oh. except for ScarJo. Oh, Ray Winstone. Like, she's the, she's the only one. Drakov. <laughs> He's playing Drakov, so yeah. Drakov. Man. I wonder if he'll be a double. <laughs> <laughs> or a triple agent. Possibly. Possibly. Um, anyway. I digress. Uh, we, get some, we get some shenanigans in the Donatelli house where basically we get to see uh, all the, the gangsters just smash the place to bits because they're looking for money that they're not... Spoiler alert, they're not going to find. They're not going to find it. And they keep harassing Julie Benz. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, Booty and Soap pull up with uh, Frank uh, in the back seat, handcuffed, uh, so he's restrained. Uh, and Booty's like, I'm going in there. It's like, we should totally call backup, but you know what? Booty's a hero. He can take care of it. And I love how he walks in and immediately is told to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, the blocking of, of every scene that takes place in this house is utterly stupid and ridiculous. Uh, he comes, he like tries to sneak into this overly lit house spoiler alert everyone's gonna see you coming did you um, uh, then immediately he rounds the corner and like they just say take a seat and he's like well i guess i gotta take a seat you're a six foot four <laughs> dude in a leather jacket you kind of stick out i mean if they don't see you they're gonna hear your jacket creaking yeah man. <laughs> i can but, smell the yeah, jacket uh, dude oh yeah yeah no and he's you know perspiring he was just in a fucking fist fight yeah but, yeah, he, he is, he's told to sit down, and we have this awkward scene where he just, like, steps into the frame and sits at the head of the table with Julie Benz and her daughter. Um, and upstairs, Jigsaw and LBJ uh, just, like, smash the shit out of everything because they open, like, the safe where they think is, like, probably their best hope of finding the money. Uh, there's nothing in there of value, so they just start smashing the place. Uh, LBJ shoots some dolls. Um, and then, uh, meanwhile, the Punisher is let loose by Soap, who at this point... Uh, it's finally confirmed uh, that the two of them have some sort of working relationship where uh, Soap lets it be known that uh, he's given Frank access to like their crime database uh, to aid him in his punishment crusade. Um, and uh, I love that like the Punisher asked to be let loose. And Soap's like, oh, come on, Frank, man. That, that's asking too much. He's like, come on. And he's like, fine. <laughs> it's like it takes no convincing. It's None. just like, okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Punisher comes in, and we get two of my, f- probably my favorite deaths in this movie, in the worst scene in the movie. It's so weird. It's like this is the worst setting that that the movie has to offer, and yet we get two of the best deaths in it. Um, and that would be in the form of father and son uh, in reverse order, uh, Ink and Pitsy. Uh, so Ink is uh, asked to check out a noise alone. By the way, uh, this this little. <laughs> He looks like the lead singer of Green Day, um, <laughs> and and not only that, uh, to to give him like I don't know points to allow the audience to hate him more. He also does blow with one of those little spoons, um, which is that that's like cinematic shorthand for this guy's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean the classy way to do it is you either have a nail for it or you just bump off a key. But he's got like the. Uh, Oh, the cruel intentions where she just has the little cross with the little spoon in it. Yeah. Or, or like Michelle Pfeiffer in, uh, in, uh, Scarface. Uh, Scarface. There you go. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he has this little dipping spoon <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he steps off to the corner. He puts his shotgun down and, uh, I, I just love this death for its, its simplicity. 
It's like, yes, that makes sense. When when a man that large does that to someone built like that, that's what happens. Basically, Ray Stevenson shows up and he smacks him in the face. He smacks Ink in the face. And then he braces his head in the door frame and he just slugs him straight in the fucking face and it caves his head in. It's pretty nice. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> it's great. I think... There was a, there was, I, I don't think I've seen the video before Kimbo Slice was in the, did uh, MMA for a little bit. Uh, he would do backyard fights and there's that famous video of him knocking the, like, I think he clipped the guy maybe two times in the face, but he knocked this dude's eye, like his eye is fucked. Like, and this guy was about the same size as him. And I think he nearly knocked his eyeball out. Kimbo Slice could, I could see caving this dude's head in. I don't know about Frank Castle, but uh, yeah, it's still pretty awesome death. It's pretty awesome. My, my, one of my favorite Kimbo Slice moments is when he and his his opponent uh, maneuver too close to like one of those uh, big like TV antennas. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day when you had like satellite TV and stuff, um, not on the roof, but like in the backyard. They get too close to it, and they both kind of like pause. It's like ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just kind of like crab walk around it. It's great because they're like right in the middle of fighting each other, and they're like oh. I don't want to get cut on that. <laughs> He's a class act. He was a class act, that guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, either a documentary or a movie uh, in production right now about him. I would watch. I would definitely watch a documentary. For I would sure. totally watch it. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a fascinating life story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Pitsy is soon to follow. Uh, so basically, the situation is under control of the heroes at this point uh, because uh, Booty takes advantage of the chaos from the sound of, of Ink biting the dust and uh he grabs pitsy and uh takes his pistol from him and then they sit pitsy down and like booty's in the middle of like reading him his rights and handcuffing him and this scene like makes me laugh every time kyle yeah um basically like booty's trying to do the cop shit he's like okay pitsy you stay put we're gonna get a squad car we're gonna we're gonna haul you off to Boom! And stuff. <laughs> god damn it castle <laughs> uh the punisher uh blows pitsy's head off with a fucking shotgun yeah it's fantastic um and yeah uh booty sells it, it he he really sells the timing of it um Speaking of which, uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, both Ink and Pitsy are from the comics. Um, Ink was mostly mute, and uh, he had like a pencil-thin mustache, and he was cross-eyed, I think. Hmm. Um, and he was more menacing because of it. He wasn't super young. Um, but Pitsy was a missed opportunity, man. Pitsy was awesome in the comics. Pitsy was basically Joe Pesci in any of his mafia roles, especially Goodfellas. Uh, dialed up to 11 so the like pitsy was imagine like joe pesci from goodfellas in like hand-to-hand combat with the punisher and imagine he has like terminator tenacity where it's like you you have to kill him five fucking times and they do in the comic they straight up have to kill him like five times because he just will not stop coming (laughs) but he's like small but he's feisty (laughs) and he was such a good character uh, but in this, he's just kind of like nondescript, heavy set guy. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, this scene just kind of like farts to an end. Yeah, they just, there's like a, a quick little shootout, and then they get the drop on them, and then they get arrested, and they're uh, yeah, they're just like, ooh, we're arrested, not it's a big pathetic. deal. Pathetic. Yeah. This is this is the most pathetic way to act, end an action scene. Do you know how this gunfight is resolved, Kyle? They run out of bullets. By the bad guys running out of ammo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, That's so fucking lame. I mean, it's realistic. <laughs> that would be the problem. All right. 
so Jigsaw is arrested by the feds, and uh, they have the confidence, like, they're, like, crazy confident, and they're like, we're not going to do a lick of time. Uh, we have all, the two-way mirrors busted, which I feel like they would have been restrained uh, after that, but there's something in this movie, and I fucking hate it every time I see it. It's somebody licking blood. It drives me fucking insane. It never looks cool. It never looks menacing. And anytime somebody does it, I already know they're a bad person. Yeah, oftentimes it's more gross than intimidating, uh, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things. I'm sure it's a it's an actor's thing where you look at all the props you have at your disposal and you, you make a decision. But ultimately, it's up to the director if they want to keep that take in there. Um, but yeah, Looney Bin Jim is kind of licking his wounds and doing his little hey! thing that he does because he doesn't have any fucking dialogue uh but long story short um and we're gonna be skipping over probably like 10 maybe even 15 minutes of screen time because this is a little bit of a dip in the in the movie here uh basically jigsaw uh takes advantage of the fact that he knows about the bioweapon deal uh, going on on the docks uh and he uses that as a bargaining chip to gain immunity from this this arrest incident um, meanwhile, the Punisher is having family time, like sentimental Ugh. family time, like surrogate family time with Julie Benz and the precocious little girl who just kind of helps herself to his stuff. Yeah. It's like, way to go, parent. <laughs> like, way to go. Like, way to teach your child boundaries, Julie. Jesus. <laughs> like, seriously, she just, like, runs up to this trunk and, like, helps herself to it. It's like, hey, don't touch that. That doesn't belong to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quit jumping on the bed. <laughs> Want, want to do like a Phil Hartman and jingle all the way like yeah. pipe down, down in there. Yeah. <laughs> ah, one of the best scenes in that movie. Mm. But yeah, we have this like surrogate family thing going on where uh, the Donatellis are camped out with with Frank and his subway hideout. Uh, he shares like MREs with them, and uh, we're meant to be like I don't know feeling nope. things, but Got it's nothing. Punisher fucking Warzone, yeah. man. Like, we, did you not? Did you not check the list of band names associated with this production? This is not for the target audience. But, like I said, upon this most recent rewatch, I suspect that some of this extraneous material might be here strictly to, like, pad out the runtime or something. Like, maybe they just didn't have enough in there, so they needed to, like, stuff it with something. Uh, Because it's not a super long movie. I think it's an hour 40 like and change or something mm. um but yeah uh it's just like a whole lot of nothing um but at some point uh jigsaw is now on the loose um, we get a really embarrassing sequence where it's him and lbj driving together in the worst fucking lighting you can imagine it's like kind of gross like white fluorescent lighting or something um, and they're just kind of driving together and expositing about where the movie needs to go now because we've run out of ideas so it's like well you know what i think i'm gonna take an abandoned hotel and uh fill it with gangsters and uh ask the punisher to come visit <laughs> it's like okay that's a thing that we can do with our finale um and meanwhile the punisher is uh trying to have some sort of conversation with microchip i'm not entirely certain why uh, but instead uh mr cruz shows up uh so micro's aid and this is apparently because micro's mom is sick or something he didn't want to leave her 
Uh, so Carlos is asked to tend to the Donatellis while the Punisher goes, in full body armor, mind you, uh, to Micro's apartment uh, with the biggest fucking hand cannon you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is a close quarters like room clearing handgun, sir. That that barrel is roughly 14 inches long, <laughs> and I'm sure it kicks like a motherfucker. But um, yeah, Kyle, you you had you had hinted at this death. Um, not an on-screen death, mind you, but it's a pretty gruesome death. Uh, do you want to fill the, the listeners in on what what it was you were alluding to at the top of our conversation? Yes. So, micro, there's I have the perfect scene to describe uh, Microchip's mother's uh, lack of head. So, <laughs> he goes in, and this woman's head is pretty much gone. It is gunshot blasted off. Now, the whole head is not missing. We still have some of the head. It's like that scene in Austin Powers where the mutated sea bass, uh, they're, you know, he and Liz Hurley are over the mutated sea bass. They get a hold of the guard and they put the, the guard under the water and he pulls up and his head is gone. It's like, oh, that's fucking disgusting. It looks like that. It's, it's pretty great. But we see it from behind, so he's like in frame with it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little prop. <laughs> they have in there because I believe it is practical. Yeah, no, it's most certainly a dummy. In fact, there are a lot of dummies in this movie. Quite a few. Uh, like uh, McGinty's uh, neck bending that way was most certainly a dummy. Uh, Ink getting punched, having his face cave in was most certainly a dummy as well. We didn't mention uh, Jigsaw's, uh, f- uh, Dominic West's uh, face, uh, his, his actual Jigsaw face. It actually looks pretty good, uh, and he has pretty good mobility. It uh, it's. I mean, it's makeup for sure. I wonder how long he had to like sit for that because I think it actually looks pretty good. Yeah, I have no idea. I haven't actually seen any accounts about how long he had to sit in the chair. Um, it does look pretty good, although I, I wish he was a uh, slimier, to be honest. Yeah, a little greasy, wetter. Yeah, he he's very dry in certain scenes, and it, it just it looks wrong if you ask me. Uh, especially when we get to the Donatelli house and everyone looks bad, uh, him especially. Uh, but w- when when he's been spritzed a little bit, when he's had some KY smeared on his face, he he does look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the little uh, he has a little flap of like extra flesh covering like the inside of his eyelid. Yeah, uh, that it kind of deforms his his profile in a really interesting way. Um, I wish there I wish he had a few more uh, stitch lines in his face to be honest. Okay. Um, just to you know match the jigsaw theme a bit better. And if you've seen what the character looks like in the comics, he looks pretty fucking bad. <laughs> like like he looks thoroughly messed up. Uh, so this is like a little bit of a sanitized jigsaw. Although the horse hide is a a very strange addition, but it kind of works. Um, on the whole, yeah, he looks pretty good. Um, the physicality of his performance can be distracting. He does a lot of like arm swinging and just kind of like, like McGregor man kind of shit. Yeah, he looks like yes, yes. Yeah, he, he walks like <laughs> McGregor. Uh, yeah, he does the the gorilla arm swing yeah. and stuff. It's a little goofy. <laughs> this is an interesting uh, scene that we get next. So the first thing that Carlos did when he got down there is like, "Hey, little girl, we're we gonna be homies." I'm like, "Oh God, damn it! Why did you? Uh. Why did you write that line in there, you fuck?" Um, but yes. Carlos is just having a blast with this little girl. He's just swinging around like fucking Frankenstein. He's just swinging this little girl around. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. Like, he's swinging around and like, hey. Like, like as he's spinning, you see that somebody's gotten into uh, into the hideout. 
Um, and this would get the axe part of it. Um, fucking uh, LBJ just goes to town on Carlos with an axe, and it's pretty gruesome. Uh, pretty bad, but he's making axe jokes the whole time, as if you couldn't, as if you don't already want to punch him in the face. It's not. It's not as bad as when he fights Frank. When he fights Frank Castle, he's like, "Would you shut him the fuck up?" But uh, oh yeah, no, yeah. It, it's it's awful. I, I did like that his opening salvo is a brick to the face. Yeah. <laughs> and to you know, to Carlos's credit, he takes it like a champ. Like he takes it as well as you can take a brick to the face. Yeah. Like this is Marv Marv level like hey, brick eating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. They they could have done away with every. Every stunt and every gag in that movie, every trap, it could have just been the, the bricks, bricks, and I actually, w- I would have been satisfied. You know what? <laughs> Daniel Stern was so good. <laughs> Home Alone 1 is the superior film. Home Alone 2, breaking into the house, I think is superior. I think that them trying to break into that, that uh, brownstone is just fantastic. <laughs> I could watch Daniel Stern get hit with bricks for an hour just an hour of him just getting hit with bricks i i could totally watch that like man getting hit by football man getting hit by brick i could totally watch an hour and a half of just daniel stern eating bricks i really loved daniel stern as a kid he really he really was he was quite funny um i i quite like him as well um unfortunately it seems like his window was very small but what he gave us he made his contribution, goddamn it. What he, what he gave us was gold. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. He most of his stuff was hits. I, I need to go back and watch Bushwhack. Uh, Bushwhack. So do I. So do I. I need to revisit. Uh, that I one. did see that. We we did rent that as a family. I remember the advertising for that because the trailer was bushwhacked. <laughs> like it was just like funny, funny pratfall, and then some guy with a deep voice like bushwhacked, and it's like I don't even know what that means. All I know is that sounds funny, and it's got the guy from Home Alone. That fucking that one detective who's after him getting pissed on by the. <laughs> it's kind of a weird scene when you think about it because it's a bunch of fucking like 12 year old kids pissing on a grown man off the side of a mountain <laughs> oh uh, maybe we'll do a bushwhacked episode that, someday that uh so yeah so uh, uh, uh jigsaw uh fucking mcgregor's his way into an abandoned hotel i was like this will fucking do and uh frank makes it back they take the they obviously they're not gonna leave the fucking family there they obviously take the family um, but yes, this is where Frank finds Carlos on the ground, and this is oof, this line delivery and just the line itself. I'm like, why would you write that? I'll let you have it. <sighs> yeah, don't die on me, damn it. <laughs> uh, Frank, most of his blood is on the outside. I mean, you can't tell. This dude is just like hemorrhaging. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much blood. I don't mean, die yeah, on well, me. Well, like wild wild west that is a man's head yeah. <laughs> like like that is an axe in his shoulder he is like, as pale as giovanni rabisi in fucking saving private ryan as he's shot in the liver it's like he's not gonna make it bro don't you die on yeah, me it, yeah don't you die on me person who i never even liked in the first place and it hurts too bad frank not like this not like this not like this <laughs> No like this. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Obviously Carlos dies. Does he shoot him or I can't remember. Yeah, he 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 euthanizes on, him with sh- with the, with the biggest fucking gun imaginable. He's gonna shoot him in the head, but his head exploded, you chicken shit. 
Um, yeah, he he covers his eyes. He does it all classy, like. But I I did want to point out. I I feel like this is a, another sign of maybe a, a not so tight production. It feels like there's a scene missing. Yeah. Uh, so that that shitty dialogue scene that we had uh, between LBJ and Jigsaw. Uh, driving around town in the worst lighting imaginable, uh, we do have the camera like tilt down to show that Wayne Knight is in the backseat. Mm-hmm. So okay, we we have a oh. visual indicator of what happened to Micro. No, so what um, what happens is so in the interrog when they go to be interrogated by the FBI, he's like, we got two conditions, and we don't see what the conditions are. So the one obviously is immunity. We want out of this. The second one, um, the FBI guy hands him a file when they bust the Russian dude. So. They're like, this is what it is. So it's a, it's Wayne Knight. It's obviously, it's it's mine. They would absolutely not do that. Even if you, here's what they would have done. They're like, we want immunity. We're going to tell you where this bomb is going to be sold. This bomb is going to blow up New York City. Like, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, those two were never seen again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. They're, they're yeah, never seen yeah, them yeah. again. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. But yes, they they do tip him off as to who Micro is and where to find him and his relationship to the Punisher. But the the missing scene I was talking about, though, was um, LBJ takes an axe to Carlos. And then I think we cut away and we do know that Julie Benz and the daughter are down there. And then we get this really awkward scene where LBJ and Jigsaw park out front the hotel, which is uh, funny enough called the Bradstreet Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, most likely named after Tim Bradstreet, who is a cover artist Correct. that worked on the Punisher series. Um, and what instead of seeing Julie Benz and the daughter get carried into the hotel, we get a shot from the inside of the trunk, and they open it, and we hear squealing. And we just see the two bad guys looking down and be like, okay, bring them in, LBJ. And it's like, oh, we didn't have Julie Benz that day. <laughs> so we just had to have like somebody mutter into the microphone to give the impression that they were in the trunk. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit sloppy. It comes across as like maybe we just forgot to film a scene or something. Possible. But, um, moving on to better things, though, uh, we get the church scene. Uh, which, in terms of production design, I mean, obviously they didn't build a church, but the way it's lit, uh, you can tell they had a lot of fun uh, dressing this set. Because, uh, obviously, it's a spectacular location. It's a New York church, as far as I know. Uh, but it has, like, this purple neon cross, like, planted in the center of the room. And it's, like, casting, like, disco light all over the walls and stuff. And then there's, like, green candles and purple candles, like, all over the room. So you, this is very Boondock Saints 2 so um, very much so. So it's funny you mentioned that might have been like a reshoot or something where they didn't have Julie Benz. I think she was legitimately filming uh, Boondock Boondock Saints too, wherein we have another Italian mafia and uh, Irish uh, Irish connection. So I wonder if she was just like, Wait, which set is this? This is the fucking. <laughs> Oh, she she hopped she hopped the wrong bus that morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I'm on Boondocks today. <laughs> oh, I have to go talk to Troy. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's gonna be thirty fucking minutes <laughs> before I even get before I even get to makeup. <laughs> Fuck Troy. He's gonna be drunk. He's always gonna be fucking drunk. He never brushes his fucking teeth. <laughs> Gets too close. <laughs> Just... Ugh. He always brings his band to the set. <laughs> and they're always drunk as fuck, too. They keep trying to sell me CDs. <laughs> Music shit. Uh, um, yeah, Overnight, folks. Uh, if you haven't seen that documentary, by all means, please check it check out. Check it out. Uh, it's, a one, it's a wonderful movie about 
uh, making movies um, from the perspective of a not very talented person. It actually makes <laughs> sense because both of these both of these movies were filmed in Canada. Yeah, I believe it. No, I oh, I, yeah. I didn't catch it. Any- <laughs> oh, I can believe it. <laughs> I mean, they were both Lionsgate productions. You yeah. know? I'm sure they did share some DNA here and there. But uh, basically what transpires in this scene is the tradition, traditional uh, morality play sequence where a bunch of people talk to the Punisher, uh, try to get them to see the world in a different light. The Punisher sees things in very black and white terms where uh, every crime has a direct response in the form of just like straight up ending that person's life. Uh, it's not exactly the healthiest way to live your life, and he knows it. Uh, but as he tells the priest here, he's okay with it. Like he's okay with with getting his comeuppance, or you know, basically going straight to fucking hell um, after he, you know, inevitably gets offed by somebody. Um, but Booty shows up, and we have a, a fun little sequence where they're uh, sitting in the pews together, talking back and forth, and both of them are aware of what's going on with uh, Micro and. Uh, Angie uh basically they they know there's a hostage situation they know where to find Jigsaw it's just a matter of what to be what to do about it um and one thing I I wanted to point out about the cinematography um I don't know I I have a DVD of this movie I don't have a blu-ray and it's one of those DVDs that has a full screen and a widescreen uh side to it I watched it in widescreen because that's generally how movies are presented these days but I noticed there's a lot of like shot reverse shot of people talking to each other where heads are just crammed into the left or the right side of the frame such that like chunks of people's heads are missing and i was curious if it was like my dvd or if it was just shot poorly or something Um, but it's it's a choice it's a cinematographic choice but um i i thought it looked kind of funky but long story short booty is willing to help because um we didn't talk about this but he he basically owes uh, Nick, uh, Angie's husband, like a, a life debt, because uh, the two of them used to be partners. And the reason why Nick uh, was sent to work undercover was because he he wouldn't rat out Booty's uh, coke habit. Yeah, um, yeah. So he feels bad about it, so he wants to make amends in the form of protecting the the Donatelli family. And then Kyle, do you want to walk us through the recruitment drive? So stupid. Kyle, Kyle is shaking his head in disappointment. It's so stupid. <laughs> so. Uh, there's like a, a American music playing over the back, uh, over the soundtrack, and I, I can't remember which. I'm like, I think it's the song. I can't remember, uh, but yeah. So Jigsaw and LBJ go to um, group of uh, black gangsters, and they go to an Irish pub, and then I think there's some Japanese fellows in there. Uh, but yeah, we're just recruiting and saying that, hey, I'm going to offer you guys how much money to do this? He doesn't give a number figure. He just says you'll be well paid. D- absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I need exact dollar figures. I need dollar <laughs> figures. I need you to show I'm going to need you to show me the money. Show me. Show me. Show me yes. the money. Uh, he's just like, yeah. Where is Babu? Show me. Babu. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're just like. He's like, yeah, you had to come to this hotel, and then the Punisher's going to come, and he's probably going to kill the fuck out of all you guys, but hey, you might get paid for it. And they're like, absolutely, this sounds like the greatest thing ever. Where do we sign up? Uh, and he legit just recruits all these people to go to this uh, big murder hotel. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Booty and uh, Soap go to... They. It looks like they actually go to 
uh, like the Eastern Bloc to go to this like uh, this apartment because it's like it's straight up from a fucking Russian film, like Taken. <laughs> it could easily be from one of the Taken movies, and it's just this uh, group of dudes playing cards, and he just comes in, hey. Isn't your son the Russian dude that just literally, I think, that evening was arrested? Like, this dude wouldn't even know yet. Like, that evening was arrested. Uh, he's like, wouldn't you want to kill the guy that, you know, uh, did this to him? He's like, yeah, totally. So now we've got, quote-unquote, Romanian uh, gangsters. Uh, what do you say? His dad's an old country genocidal maniac? I'm like, eesh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it needs to be said that the... the these characters in the comics were pretty terrifying. Like they were real, real bad people. Um, very, very, very good comic though. I, I would actually recommend it. Uh, very, very well written, very well put together. But um, yeah, they recruit the old man and his, his goons uh, to help them uh, in kind of doing the siege of the Brad street hotel. Um, and the next several minutes of the movie are basically just like gun porn, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we we haven't been talking about that, but this about ten percent of this movie is straight up just gun porn, if not fifteen twenty percent. Um, and it's basically just uh, like Slayer music playing over gangsters mounting up and like loading loading armament. Same with the Punisher. Uh, we get a sustained like thirty second shot of Ray Stevenson just like tooling around with weapons because somebody's probably jerking off to that <laughs> yeah, Kyle, Kyle's making some gestures into the microphone yeah. uh, thankfully he's sparing you the sound gestures effects, but... <laughs> this, um, is, this is an authentic podcast Trevor <laughs> no I'm not um, joking but yeah all, all, all of the uh, the players are assembled and uh, basically things kick off in the form of uh, Booty and the Punisher just kind of hanging out front and waiting uh, for Tiberiu uh, Christu's father uh, to show up with all of his uh, Romanian gangster types and their Kalashnikovs. And uh, they come in the door with, it's not quite a pass- password, but they do say, we're here for the Punisher party. Orgy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the gangbang. I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the uh, the Chinese gangsters let them in. And, uh, by the way, the recruitment drive uh, was a very efficient way. It, it's cheesy as all hell. It's yeah. stupid. But in terms of cost effectiveness, all they had to do was put Dominic West and and LBJ in front of a green screen and then put whatever colored lighting on them they needed to for each verse of the of the speech because each and every one of those gangsters layers has a different color theme to it. So the Chinese ones are red. The the Irish ones duh green. Duh. <laughs> um, and the the black guys it's like purple, I think. Yeah, probably or blue. Or purple or blue. Yeah, something like that. But um, so yeah, all they had to do is stand them in front of a green screen and then project that colored light onto them to do however many takes of whatever verse of that speech they needed to do. Mm. Very cost effective. Very, very smart in terms of production, but also kind of fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Tiberiu wastes no time. All of his dudes just pull out all their rifles and just start spraying these Chinese gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the entire bottom floor of the hotel is basically just like Murder. Oh Punisher, don't even fucking don't even fucking worry about it. Yeah. It's taken care of. Yeah, I have Romanians <laughs> go in. Next note, violence. Uh yeah. It, it it's yes. a full swing. Yeah. I do like uh how he how um uh 
Frank Castle kind of Beverly Hills Ninja his way into the uh, <laughs> into the building. He just he just kind of climbs up into the building across the street and he's like, eh, that looks good enough. That looks like the third floor." And he just throws his body through a boarded up window and just starts murking people. Yeah, I actually really like this this uh, this gag, oh, like this stunt. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, some something about the the way he shot. Uh, because if you just look at Ray Stevenson, he's a big fucking guy. Yeah, he's huge. Um, and the the way he jumps, it's not like framed in like a fanciful way. Like it's not an elegant jump. Like he drops like a fucking stone. <laughs> like yeah. like he doesn't jump straight across to the neighboring window. He has to like drop down a floor. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like falling very fast. But yeah, he slams through this window and uh, he has his assault rifle at the ready. And uh, the next several minutes of the movie just turned into a straight-up shooting gallery. Oh, yeah. Um, and a fairly entertaining one. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of digital squib work in the movie. Uh, that That's standard practice, especially in the late 2000s and beyond. Um, I always say this, Kyle, that a lot of people shit on elect- like digital squibs and whatnot, but we would not have John Wick without them. Oh, I know. Uh, those those movies can only exist because we have digital squibs, because that style of choreography, as far as I understand, is just not feasible with actual pyrotechnics. Well, what this movie does is it gives you some practical effects when you need to be up yes. close and then use the squibs yes. when you need to. It's not like that Rambo movie where it's just squib city. It's just that's all it is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you use it when you can, and it works in the John Wick movies, and it doesn't even look bad here. Like, I watched a movie no. recently, that's a horror film, and it was fucking terrible. It was the worst, like, worst squibs and CGI shit I think, uh, like, CGI squibs I think I've ever seen. I'm like, this is, this is absolutely terrible. It was really a bummer. Um, but yeah, it actually looks pretty decent here. But yeah, so he's just fucking just killing the fuck out of people. Um, <laughs> just, just working his way through, and then he gets his... Like uh, so, we have Jigsaw, uh, the the family, LBJ and um, Micro all New- Newman yeah. Newman all <laughs> up on the top floor, and fucking LBJ is just going nuts. He's like, just let me go, let me go. Finally, they let him go, and uh, he goes to have his fight with the Punisher, and it's so fucking annoying. Uh, I think they do a good job. Like so, Looney Bin Jim is like a martial artist like he is for some reason crazy I, I don't know how to describe it Doug Hutchinson is the least intimidating person I think of like he's one step above Rob Schneider as far as being intimidating so they do a pretty good job of making it look like he's the one actually doing this but because it's so unbelievable it just looks like because of him he just looks so stupid but I think they do honestly do a good job of cutting and making it look like he's actually doing it. Yeah, the the use of doubles here is <clears throat> it's not egregious. Like you never really feel like you're just watching some other guy do all the moves. Like they 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 cut back and forth between the players well enough that <clears throat> it's never jarring. It is questionable uh, some of the moves he's busting yeah, out. Right. Where it's like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. These are educated moves. Like there's, there's like the difference between like say McGinty like clambering over things and doing trick like tricking and stuff in midair. That I could see you figuring out intuitively, but like doing artful spinning kicks like taekwondo shit. What? I'm sorry, no, you don't just do that. <laughs> what is the what does Sean William Scott say in the rundown? It's like some spinning Brazilian ninja jujitsu shit. Like <laughs> it's just all crazy. 
Yeah, that's one of the better scenes in that movie. Um, I I remember popping so hard when I saw uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. in that sequence mm-hmm. uh, with all the little fellas beating on the rock. Um, I was like, that's Kino yeah. from Ninja Turtles 2 <laughs> and Surf Ninjas. <laughs> I was going to say Surf Ninjas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was so happy to see him in anything. Like, I always, I'm always happy to see Ernie Reyes. But yeah, like Looney Bin Jim is doing like spinning back fists and like leaping kicks and stuff and he does have some cool moves. They what's really what's really fun about the choreography of this scene is that they take advantage of the size differential between the two people. Mm-hmm. Um, because like one of his opening moves is to like almost like st- like step on on Ray Stevenson's head almost like Snoopy like dancing on someone's head or something. Um it it's something you can only do with a little guy and a big guy. Um and that's made even better by the second half of the fight. Because the first half is just LBJ saying way too many words and just like like Kyle had said, annoying the shit out of me. That's a torn and meniscus. Just, That's an ACL. Like he every time he touches it, but it's like boom, 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 boom. He has like four back to back. It's just like, dude, just stop. Just too too many quips. It's just like stop it. Go away. I read on IMDb that apparently uh, Freddie Prince Jr. auditioned for the role of Jigsaw, and the director was actually impressed by his audition. Uh, but Lionsgate didn't want to work with him for whatever reason. Uh, he might have been property of Miramax at that point. I'm not really sure. I, I mean, he was also, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. in the late 2000s. I don't think his stock was super high. Um, and as far as I know, I, oh wait, I seem to remember hearing that he was involved with 24. The show? Uh, yeah. Really? Like a producer? I, I could be, I, no, like on it. Oh. Um, I could be. I could be totally wrong, but I seem to remember like Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast telling me that. I could be totally wrong, but I was. I've never seen an episode of that show, but you and I both need to recognize how popular that fucking shit was. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, um. So if if he was involved in that. Uh, that's a Fox product, and oh, this was yeah, not. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so right. So I, I wouldn't imagine they would play ball with that, um, especially since you know the X Men movies uh, until today basically have have always been separate from the rest of the Marvel movies. He's in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, all of those. Uh, all those uh, most recent trilogy Star Wars movies have bizarre cameos. Like, of course, the Daniel Craig one is like one of the big ones. And I think, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the director of uh, The World's End uh, is in there as well. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, he was, uh, he's been voice acting his ass off. Uh, but he, yes, he was, in, he was on 24 as Cole Ortiz. So I think you're right. I think he was property of Fox. There you go. Yeah, but uh, speaking of the world's end, uh, I I I also read that Patty Considine, uh, who is of course one of the leading characters, one of the survivors, if you will, at the end of the world's yes. end, uh, was also up for Jigsaw, and he probably would have done quite well. I think he, he would have done it like he would. It would have changed the movie. Like this would have been a different film. Uh, I'm really keep- yeah. I I would I actually would have been interested to see an audition. Uh, he he insane. If it exists, I'd like to see it. <laughs> Uh, the show Peaky Blinders is fine, uh, but their villain casting is some of the best. I, like villain casting and writing is some of the best I've seen. Three people play villains on there: Sam Neill, fantastic. Uh, the guy who plays uh, the the second priest to Ian Holm, the the fucking nervous guy, 
he uh, the from uh, Fifth Element. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you which movie. Oh, the the, the <laughs> young guy. Yeah, the young yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. He is a menacing uh, villain on there, and Patty Con- uh, Considine is excellent on that show. So, show's got its problems. It's it's entertaining, enjoyable, but those three are just wow. Just fantastic on that series. I, I have no idea what it's about, but I've, I've, I'm well aware of some of the people who are involved in it, and that alone is enough to have me interested. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. It, it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, but as annoying as LBJ is, um, the second half of this fight is is kind of like the movie winking at us, the audience, and saying, we, we know, we know. Yeah. And it's pretty fucking spectacular, because basically what happens is, well, you know... It takes a really talented little guy to beat, like, a good big guy. Like, like you know, like, Manny Pacquiao and Antonio Margarito. That doesn't happen all the time. Floyd Mayweather versus the Big Show doesn't work out like that all the time. A lot of times what happens is, you know, the big guy gets wise to the fact that, you know, he's the big guy. And he just fucking wrecks you. (laughs) um, And that's exactly what happens. We We get a fun bit in the soundtrack where, like, the fucking electric guitar kicks in and ray stevenson scowls and instead of trying to fight the guy he just starts grabbing him and throwing yeah. him like, in, into whatever surface or object is available so yeah i'm not gonna go toe-to-toe with you i'm just gonna fucking bash your head into the fucking wall yeah what technique do i need when i can pick you up with one hand yeah <laughs> there's no belt like i'm just gonna I'm just gonna beat the shit out of you yeah yeah, uh, so I, I did like the use of, of this set, which is clearly a set where it, um, it turns into true lies for a minute with uh, lots of bathroom tiles getting shattered mm-hmm. and mirrors and sinks getting smashed. It's great. Um, unfortunately, things end with a whimper because LBJ pulls a little pocket sand uh, <laughs> and throws some, <laughs> and, uh, throws some bo- broken glass into Ray Stevenson's face uh, in order to beat a hasty retreat. Uh, which brings oh. us to the final showdown, uh, which looks like some place where Shang Tsung would be very comfortable. Oh yeah, uh, complete with fire pit, uh, and we have ourselves a uh, a little bit of a not a Mexican standoff. It's I don't know. vaguely Hispanic it, standoff. It, this this looks like a place where Shang Tsung would bathe himself after getting a hand job from a masseuse who does not want to be working in Middle Earth. Uh, yeah, so he we get to this weird stand-up. So we've got guns on the kid and the wife. We have guns on microchip. And basically, uh, uh, LBJ's like, let's just let me kill him. And it's like, no, 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 no. We have to wait. And it's just like, come on. It's like it's like fucking uh, Seth Green and Austin Powers. Come on. I've got a gun in my room. We can just, boom, shoot both of them. He's like, no, Scott, you don't get it. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to have to go back and watch Austin Powers. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Me too. But yeah, so uh, basically they're like, they give him an ultimato. Uh, they, he's just like, I'm going to give you the gun. He's like, you can either shoot her and I shoot this one or you shoot this one and I shoot the other one. He's just like, hmm, which one do I do? Or he's like, oh, no, you shoot one and I'll let the other ones go or for something like that. Like, okay, one, he's not going to do that. He's going to kill all of you. Two, even if he was going to do that, who do you think he's going to shoot? Uh, obviously. And, I mean, Micro is kind of like, maybe he's going to choose them. <laughs> maybe he's going to let me go. <laughs> and he's like, finally, he just has to say it out loud. He's like, come on, Frank. We know what you're going to do. So they give him the... Yeah, he's like, she, she's a kid. She's come a on, kid, man. Frank. <laughs> like, he was ever on the fucking fence, but little does he know. 
That old Frank is, uh, he's got his own plan. What's his, what's his plan here? Uh, so his plan, and by the way, he's supposed to only have one round in, in this in this revolver because Jigsaw took it from him and shot him with it until it only had one round in it, just for funsies. Um, his plan is to train his gun on micro, hesitate for a second, which, I'm sorry, that could have gone really bad if Jigsaw just got impatient, decided to blast everybody. Um, and then he raises the gun up. Uh, it actually, now that I think about it, this almost reminds me of like uh, Hard Boiled, which is a Chow Yun Fat and John Woo movie you haven't seen, um, but you probably should, being as you have seen The Killer, and it's very, very good. The thumb um, is, no, is that the Hard Boiled? Is that the thumb? That's a, a bear tomorrow. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Kyle is referring to a gif that I, I sent him a long time ago. I, I use it repeatedly. I use it it's quite. Basically cha- I, I use it quite. It's wonderful. Bit, yeah. <laughs> It's Chow Yun Fat. Uh, there's a dejected looking man, like looking forlorn in the foreground, and then uh, the focus changes to Chow Yun Fat leaning backwards into in the background, shooting him a thumbs up while like chewing an apple or something. Yeah. It's just like it's okay, bro. Things are looking up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this actually kind of reminded me of Hard Boiled a little bit. Uh, maybe it's a reference to it, maybe not. But. Um, Basically, Frank raises the gun up and he switches his aim to LBJ, blasts him in the face. This is a, this is not a good enough death for LBJ. No. He needed to get Kyle. What he needed to get was a. Uh, I don't think you've seen it because I don't think you're super big on slasher movies, but um, uh, Hatchet. Mm-mm. Uh, it's it's like a 2000 slasher movie that's uh, Kane Hodder plays the the slasher in it. So it's clearly made by fans of Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, there's a very famous kill where they do like a 360 camera shot of him grabbing a woman from both ends of her jaw mm, and pulling. Nice. And the camera spins around and we get to see all the intricacies of the animatronic. And so it's pretty so, glorious. But that's what needs to happen to LBJ. There, there's, uh, he, need, he needs to get the, the angerous like Mechagodzilla. He needs to get King Konged, God damn it. He, <laughs> he needs the taint. He needs the taint stabbing and then the jaw stabbing that the guy gets in the first Punisher movie. You know when he's working through the car dealership and there's that guy that looks like uh, he's got like just long white hair and he gets like the he gets the knife and the taint. He he's a, he looks like a musk he looks like a muscular Tobin Bell. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As as in the Saw villain. Yeah. Um. And yes. <laughs> and then he gets it in the he gets it in the chin. It's pretty great. Like give him that. That would be a good one. And. Yeah. yeah, he he needed something really, really, really gruesome yeah. because he was annoying throughout the entire film. We just had a perfectly awesome scene where it would have been great to kill him then and there. Uh, but no, they decided to leave him here for this diehard style, like last minute, you know, trick shot. And there's not even a big squib or anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just kind of like a like, and he falls down. That's it. It's like, oh, man. You had that annoying sack of shit throughout this entire fucking movie. And that's how he bites the dust. Come on. Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah disappointed <laughs> um, but um yeah now the lbj is down uh jigsaw pulls the trigger because he already had his gun pointed at micro so sorry newman didn't make it to the end of the movie okay. he gets his head blown in uh and then uh punisher uh leaps on jigsaw and the two of them have some fisticuffs and it needs to be said i think i watched a behind the scenes feature at a long time ago uh maybe even before the movie came out uh Apparently Dominic West is not comfortable doing fight scenes. He, like, like he gets he gets squirrely and weird, and he was very he was really nervous. And Ray Stevenson was like, 
guy needs to calm down jesus <laughs> uh yes because this is this is not a fight this is just a fucking beat down and i it's i guess it's kind of fun when you're like when you get to the final villain it's a bit of a like a bit of a fight but no 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 no. this is just like absolute fucking murder yeah this is a steven seagal fight. yes um, <laughs> this isn't a fight this is him just bludgeoning this guy and and totally brutalizing him it's it's not competitive to any extent uh which is a little bit surprising um i mean as compared to ray stevenson dominic west does look small um but in the comic books jigsaw was generally framed as being uh comparable in terms of physicality and skill uh so this was a departure from that but you know we've had plenty of good kills up to this point um which brings us to the final well second to last kill in the movie um, being as we do end on a kill um jigsaw uh by the way there's a weird beat in this fight where they're fighting and then julie benz yells out frank and then he pauses and he just like goes and he frees her and her daughter and then he goes back to killing jigsaw yeah you're fine just wait till he's done i guess they didn't i, I wanted i guess she didn't want her daughter to see her him kill him i guess i think that's what it was like i, I want to say like a producer or something said that's not kosher like like we we can't have her present for what's about to happen so find find a way to rework the scene so that we resequence that so that we we the viewer are aware that they're not present Mm -hmm. um it's awkward though yeah um but anyway kyle i think i'm i'm just guessing uh, i'm going out on limb here but i want to say we're both a little bit disappointed in jigasaw's in like his fate here do you want to walk us through it yeah he gets um he gets impaled by some kind of bar, like like just some big bar, some steel bar, yeah. and then he gets uh, thrown into a fire and burned alive. Um, there are worse ways to go, I suppose. I, it could have been more satisfying, but I didn't mind it. I I think the big bummer is that we needed LBJ to to have a good death. Uh, Jigsaw's is fine. It's I I'm, I don't hate it, but it, I guess it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, it, it's not awful, and I mean, fire and water both are often cited as being the worst ways to go mm-hmm. um, in terms of pain and psychological pain. Like, water in particular yeah. sounds just awful. Um, but f- fire, in, like, always in terms of physical pain is cited as, like, the worst thing that can be done to you. Uh, so on that level, yes, it, it's, a, it's a fitting death, and we do get a gruesome close-up of his skin crackling and popping mm-hmm. like his stitching coming loose so they they do not shy away which credit to them that's not something that gets shown to audiences all the time so they did follow through in terms of delivering the goods on the the gore and the violence but i don't know it just felt like a little impersonal to some some degree yeah i i, I would have liked a more hands-on thing like that's like i mean it's not a spectacular death but a, a face-off part of what made caster troy's death and that so effective was the fact that they're staring each other in the eyes when it happens mm-hmm. um it's um but yeah uh, yeah he gets burnt alive and uh punisher tells him this is only the beginning because you're going to hell yeah. <laughs> that's why we were in the church earlier <laughs> Get it, Get it. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah, the day is saved. Uh, Booty, by the way, was knocked unconscious by the Punisher, uh, so as to prevent him from helping out, uh, which actually is in in line with the character's origins from the comics. Uh, Booty was kind of like paralleling the the Punisher's path in the comics, and uh, 
was he shied away from it at some point i think it was because the punisher like reminded him that's like if you start doing this you're gonna be me and i'm pretty sure you don't want that mm-hmm. and he's like okay i'm out <laughs> yeah um and yeah our, our closing scene is uh it's almost like the end of like a lethal weapon movie or something where it's it's soap and the punisher walking shoulder to shoulder and then uh it turns into a Batman movie because the Punisher pulls a, a a Batman and Jim Gordon on him, um, and then the last thing that happens here is uh, Soap is just trying he's just trying to head home, and then some some guy just steps out of the shadows and wants his money, and holds him up at gunpoint, and then uh, we get a very cheesy moment where the Punisher is standing like illuminated by neon lights and stuff in front of a church, and there's a neon sign that says Jesus saves. And then the Jesus flicks out and flickers out. And then so it just says saves. And we fade to black and we hear a gunshot. And uh, Soap plays us out with the line, Oh, God, now I've got brain splattered all over me. Mm-hmm. Cue the Rob Zombie. <laughs> In the war zone, I'll stand alone. Ugh. I'm yeah. good on that. Not, not, not one of his uh, biggest hits, but, you know. No. He, he knew what gig he was signing up for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a Punisher Warzone from 2008. Um, any closing thoughts on this one, Kyle? No. Um, this is a fun one. Uh, I'm done done with it for this year, but it'll definitely pop into my feed next year at some point. Uh, it's a fun one. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's a lot of fun. A lot of it has to do with just the... All the action is good. Like It's not mind-blowing, but it, it's better than a lot of stuff i've seen that tries to do the similar like very similar beats of choreography uh the gore feels like it's from a horror movie where it's given a little more spotlight than it it normally is in a lot of these action movies which separates it from from like a a boilerplate action film um so i appreciate that it's it's often handsome to look look at although we did cite a couple of examples where it's absolutely not (laughs) um but yeah, I in general I I I like Punisher media. I I liked the Netflix show quite a bit. The second season has some weird bits to it, but on the whole, it's pretty good. Um, actually, this spoiled like an idea I had. I, I wanted to do a Punisher masterclass a while back, um, which would have included the Dolph Lundgren and the Tom Jane versions, as well as maybe a few episodes from the Netflix series. Um, that doesn't mean we can't visit any of that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, this draws a close to uh, drinking movie month. Um, so I guess this is the the blackout drunk movie. So this is like the the victory lap <laughs> of uh, of drinking movies. <laughs> Just like when you're all done drinking, this is the movie you want to have on in the background. <laughs> and then you'll wake up. And uh, it'll just be the DVD menu. <laughs> be like, oh wow, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was uh, Punisher Warzone, directed by Alexi Alexander from 2008. Um, but in the meantime, folks at home, if you would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Google it. Uh, but that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.